Hello everyone, and welcome to this Nintendo Life. My name is NBZ, and I have some tissue up my nose, <laughs> but that is... The sound uh, of your voice sounds like you have tissue up your nose, that's the it, best bit. It does, look, it, it has to match. Um, I'm a little bit sick, I'm a little bit dreary, but I'm here today to present... Would you say, would you say you've got the plague? I might have the plague, but we'll get we'll get to that in a second. Uh, I I want to say I'm going to welcome you all to episode 50 of this Nintendo Life. This is this has been a long time coming, Valley, but we finally made it. We we finally have. It's been a whole lot of podcasting. Yeah, and you know the funny thing is, is we're recording this on official International Podcast Day. Uh, yes. So uh, happy Podcast Day, everyone! Uh, despite the fact that this will be uh, quite a bit of time after uh, that has happened when this show goes out, but uh, nonetheless, the spirit of Podcast Day remains with you. Uh, Bally, have you listened to a podcast today? Have you uh, indulged? I listened to the Giant Bombcast talk an awful lot about Destiny. Yeah, great. Good stuff. I'm sure that we'll have loads of chat about Destiny on this special episode yep. because, you know, that's what the video game industry is all about. Uh, of course not, no, we're going to be talking about a bit more important DLC uh, as regards us, but uh, before we do that, Bally, how about you uh, go ahead and lay out the show for us? What is this 50th episode got in store? As usual, we're going to talk about what we've been playing, but then for the big episode 50 special, we're going to lay out the official TNL top 50 games of all time. Yeah, we're crazy, basically, is what we're saying to it's you. It's going to get crazy. Yeah. And I'm... long. <laughs> yeah. I and think... heated. Yeah, I'm sure all those things will combine together to create a uh, quite a, a listen. A mess. Yeah, no, a mess is a good way of putting it, I agree. A uh, mess of podcasting gold. Yes, uh, so yeah, that's going to be a fun time. I hope you guys will look forward to that. But before we do that, we're just going to get on with the rest of the show. Uh, how about we talk about the video games we've been playing? Bally, you finished a Zelda game again finished... for like the seventh time in this podcast history. It has been about seven, I must say. That's funny, say. yeah, it's yeah. about true, yeah. It's, that is a really good guesstimate, which is probably might even be spot on if yeah. I could be bothered to count them out. But um, I completed Ocarina of Time. Welcome um, to the club. It didn't take me ten years. No, it sort didn't. Of. I mean, I mean, if you technically count when I started the GameCube remake, that was probably over ten years ago. Probably. I mean, Wind Waker came out in '03, right? And that was a bonus disc with yeah, that. Yeah. So I definitely played maybe one or two dungeons uh, way back then. But yeah. So the time you started this game has been about twelve years. So we both took our damn time with Ocarina, didn't we? <laughs> but it was worth it because. Yeah. I really think the ending of that game, and I shouldn't say the ending, I mean the end few hours of that game are really strong. Really. What do you feel about Ganon's Tower? Did you like the, the setup there? I, I always found it's a kind of an easy end game, like you're just going through these rooms and stuff. It's kind of fun, but it's, you know, it's, it's not too fun. challenging. It's fun. I found it challenging because I attempted it without fire arrows. Oh and dear, then I bad realized idea. that I was hitting my head against a brick wall so I went back and got the fire arrows came back then I ran out of something else went back there's a lot of you know when you run out of say like bombs or arrows or whatever in most 3D Zeldas they're they're normally quite nearby in patches of grass or like in some some pot you can smash locally Uh, Ocarina of Time just feels it feels a lot like um, the 2D Zeldas the original 2D Zeldas I should add where 
if you're if you run out of an item, you can sometimes find yourself going back quite a long way to get. Really? Did you find that? Because for me, I never had an issue with that at all. Maybe it was because I never like not running out of bombs or arrows or things. No, not really. I mean, maybe I I upgraded all the bomb bags and got like maximum arrows or cl- close to it. Uh, so I don't think I really felt a problem there. And also, like, especially at the end of each of those room sections in Ganon's Tower, if you don't have any magic on your magic meter, there's a pot literally right next to the door that gives it to you. So all the stuff that is necessary to beat the dungeon is there. Um, I don't know. I, I think that might not be... be true for this final dungeon. But okay, maybe. Yeah, I but see what you're saying. I think Ocarina does a really good job generally of giving you that stuff. Like, pots will be placed strategically enough in rooms where you need to use that certain item. I think it's way better than Link to the Past. Link to the Past is kind of terrible all over for that stuff. But... Yeah, I I prefer it to Link to the Past. I'd agree. Yeah, um, I do as well. I I think... I just think there's... There's something that's incredibly hard to articulate about the final boss battle, the final cutscenes. Um, that's incredibly epic, and it's almost effortlessly epic compared to other Zelda 3D Zeldas that we love, like Wind Waker, Twilight Princess, Skyward Sword, which all have their own stamp on how to be epic and their own unique twist. Whereas Ocarina is so what's unique about Ocarina I guess it's the time travel it's hard to describe what else is so unique I think the character of Sheik is fantastic it's so um, interesting and it's such a shame because and this was on some YouTube video I watched recently about Twilight Princess apparently Sheik was potentially going to be in Twilight Princess oh interesting um, and they cut the character and that's where they got the model for Smash Brothers Brawl for example oh um, very Sheik. cool so it was like ready to go and wasn't used but no, just Sheik in general is a really cool character. Um, I mean, it's like one of the best representations of Zelda. Like, it paints her not as this passive figure, but as a real, you know, driving force in the story. And like the history of the Sheikah, yeah. And I really enjoyed learning about the Gerudo tribe, how there's one male per generation. Oh, did you, you know? not know that before? I didn't know the detail of it. I knew he was a Gerudo, a Gerudo, and I knew that they were all women, but I didn't really associate that there was only one male per generation. Yeah, that's that's how it works. And then he just populates the whole I know. earth, I guess. And that he had turned bad, and then they sort of rebelled against him, and then... Uh, that's that's quite interesting. And, like, the Ger- whole Gerudo area, the Gerudo desert... Um, uh, the fortress. That's a that really fortress tough is part. a pain in the ass, man. I'll it's tell you. It's tough. It's tough. I managed yeah. to do it without a guide, but it took me a good forty minutes, an hour maybe or so. It really was um, a slog, but uh, it was really good. I did enjoy yeah. that. Um, How did you feel about the spirit temple going back and forth between young Link and adult Link? It's fine. It's I I enjoyed that. No, it was good. It's quite a long temple. Uh, I thought all the temples in this game, like I said uh, last time I talked about Ocarina, were long. Um, not just in generic length, but just because they're quite difficult. A lot of them right, you were some... taking time to figure them out and yeah, like, work your way around them and getting lost in that kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, and I was trying really hard not to lose use um, guides. Yeah, I think the funny thing about this is, like, really, your knowledge of Ocarina prior to going into playing the 3D version was first three dungeons. I've never seen the Spirit Temple in my life. I right. I will honestly outrightly say I've never seen any room in the Spirit Temple, to my knowledge, 
in my life and like it was before this point of course before this point yeah whereas for me I have like this weird encyclopedic knowledge of Ocarina of Time that means that I know exactly what to do on every boss and I remember the sequences and I know that to kill Ganon you go through his legs and use the hammer and there's this weird trick that speedrunners use with the Deku stick like my knowledge of Ocarina is like way greater than it should be for the fact that I've only actually beaten the game once. Exactly. Like I would say I have that knowledge about Wind Waker, but I've played that game at least to the Tower of the Gods maybe up to five, six times, and I've completed yeah. it twice, uh, almost three times. Um, so it is quite creepy how you know so much about Ocarina, especially as a lot of those little things are more intricate with Ocarina. Than I mean, Ocarina right really goes back to even like when we were first downloading videos from the internet because uh, we came across speedruns of Ocarina and we were like oh this is so cool so I just downloaded a bunch of speedruns of Ocarina to watch on my laptop and um, because of that I just knew all these areas and I knew the crazy strategies that people were using to get through them um, and yeah it was it was a fun time but it also just opened me up to everything in the game and kind of I, I guess spoiled but not really uh, hmm. for me but you know. I mean, yeah, I mean, and I must be one of the only people on the planet who's a gamer who's left to play Ocarina, the end of Ocarina blind sort right, of thing. Yeah, so, yeah. And especially being able to play it blind on the 3D version, which, as we've discussed, is much better in many ways yeah, than the original. Yeah. Um, that was really great to play. Uh, and it's it's up there in my favorite Zeldas, i got to admit it. It's not... It's not one I'm dying to play again like other Zeldas, uh, but it's it's really solid. It's really great. And I thought the game world and, you know, a big criticism of a game like Twilight Princess is that the, the towns don't lack much um, uh, atmosphere, much, you know, it doesn't feel alive, whereas the right, towns yeah. in this game feel incredibly alive. And, and I, I love the juxtaposition when you do go through time and... You know the Reed Deads take over Castle Town, for example. Yes, what a great moment that is when you walk out of the graveyard. Ocarina is way darker than I realized. Just the amount. Yeah, I mean the Shadow Temple alone is like one of the darkest things. It's just so much dead people everywhere. (laughs) So many. It's just it just loves to talk about death all the time in that game, Uh, and. I mean, I've, I've still got to play Majora. This game has definitely made me want to play Majora more. I'll probably sure. give it a bit of time, but I'll eventually pick up that game. Cause I yeah, intrigued. me too. I will. I want to play through Majora myself. Um, again, yes. I kind of know that game because I've watched people play See, I'm it. completely blind to Majora as well. Yeah, that's kind of great for you, actually. I know I think. tiny little things here and there, but um, I'm definitely blind in general to that game. And... I'm intrigued to see what it's like because I think a 3D Zelda on the 3, 3DS or in my case new 3DS it was really nice re- worked really well um, yeah. and it'll be a luxury having the dual analog stick to control so yeah that will be good uh, and maybe you know maybe we can do a backlog club on it or something uh, that's we'll an see. idea that's yeah an idea. maybe who knows uh, yeah. we will we'll see if that comes to fruition uh, but Bali you didn't just play Ocarina of Time, because something else happened. There so, was a DLC released onto yes. the world. A free DLC, and which is kind of nice. I kind of knew about this when it was announced, maybe a few months ago. Well, it was, well, it was part of the initial Kickstarter with Shuffle Knight. But, right, yeah. Um, it was sort of formally announced, I guess, with a trailer a few months ago. And the trailer came, and I was like, that looks alright, fine. I'm sure I will might... I thought I think at that point I was still up for playing through the whole game again, but I wasn't that 
pumped about it. Yeah. Um, so then you were, you, you were just talking to me on Skype and you said, oh yeah, the Plague of Shadows DLC is like here today. I was like, oh, right, I'll, I guess I'll download it. And I, I like, yeah, and at that time I was like in the depths of Metal Gear and Mario Maker and <laughs> Tales from the Borderlands and like six other games. I was like, yeah, I, I'll play this, but I don't know when. Well, <laughs> like, it just came out of nowhere. I'd like just finished Ocarina of Time uh, I wasn't really up for getting heavily back into Mario Maker, which I still need to do. Uh, but so I was like, let's give this a go. Played the first level and it, died I really, a lot. I died I a lot, but I really took to it. I think I was wasn't expecting um, Plague Knight to control in such a unique fashion compared to Shovel Knight. Yeah, have we said that this is we're talking about Shovel Knight Plague of Shadows? Oh, here. Yeah, I'm, not sure yeah, if you I'm really bad at that, aren't I? Just going <laughs> yeah. off at a tangent. So this yeah. is Shovel Knight Plague of Shadows, yeah. and yeah, so Plague Knight is the 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 beaked knight. The beaked um, knight. Yeah, he's, beaked he's knight. Uh, that hat is something like Victorian, isn't it? It's... No, do you not remember studying the bubon- bubonic plague? In no, school? I'm sure that was something with Doctor Wilson. And so, paid any attention? Doctors would use that mask, and then in the big nose, they would stuff tons and tons of like herbs and spices. Oh wow! Because okay. at that point in time, it's way before Victorian, I believe. I think it's much older. I can't remember the exact date. So anyone who wants to write in about the bubonic plague, yeah, sure. <laughs> uh, this Nintendo Life at Gmail dot com. But so they would stuff spices and herbs down the snout of the nose because they thought that if you're smelling something nice around an area that's full of disease and the plague, then you're like immune. Oh, interesting. It was okay. complete. It was complete baloney it didn't work right, yeah. but it's what doctors thought at the time okay um and they also gave those masks to certain people who they thought they could cure of the plague so right. that's like where that mask comes from okay but enough history from bali for one sure day. sure but, so yeah. anyway yeah that's plague night he's yeah. wearing one of those he's wearing and, one uh, of those so he controls really differently from shovel knight and i think that's the first thing that strikes you when you pick up this character is no longer do you have that fluidity. I think Shovel Knight, the way that he controls, the way he moves with his uh, shovel being able to bounce off of objects and, you know, strike things in midair. He's a melee-focused character, of course, uh, but it just feels good to play as him. And I think instantly, Plague Knight feels hard to control. Like, feels a little bit unwieldy. First impressions of Plague Knight, I think with both of us, was just this is horrible. Like, it's really difficult. Like, we're going to die a lot. Um, The double jump is absolutely fine. And those double jumps are very short double jumps. I swear... Yeah, it doesn't feel like you're getting as much kick out of it. Yeah, I think... I swear one Shovel Knight jump is the same as a Plague Knight double jump. I swear it's the same distance. I I don't know. Um, But it's that third jump that if you decide to release it in a horizontal fashion... There's no control over where it lands. You just have to literally, as a solid 2D platformer would, judge the distance. You'll I literally... mean, I think there's a tiny bit of air control in there, but like, there's so much momentum to it that it's True, hard yeah. to stop it, essentially. It's, it's very easy to control if you just want to shoot up vertically and do an equivalent of just a vertical triple jump. Right, right. But as um, soon as you go horizontally, then you're all about, like, if I, am I going to land on this small platform or not? And it's kind of, you have to kind of prejudge it. And when you become a climate 
ties to the way that he moves and the way he controls, you'll get better at doing that. But certainly in the early stages, you're punished hard because, of course, you fall in a pit. That's you done. You have to go back to the checkpoint. So certainly that first stage, I uh, I was in a pub uh, and I was playing that. And it took me like... Because I picked up pub? 3DS. Yeah, because we were watching the football or something. And um, oh, I you didn't weren't. care. Oh, well, I wasn't. I didn't care. So I picked up my 3DS and started playing playing Shadow. So I was like, ah, oh, yeah, I'll just do this for 20 minutes and bust through. And it took me like 50. So. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I would agree. Most of the first stages and Propeller Knight stage took me about 40 to 50 minutes. Uh... They're all really long, though. That's the interesting thing I find about Shovel Knight is it has the stylings of a game like Mega Man. But when it comes to the length of the stages, they are like two or three Mega Man style stages in length like yes. they go on for a long time yeah they are really great and like with this Plague of Shadows DLC there are actual sort of forks in the road at points in the stages where you can go off to a on a fork and like go and get treasure or an extra item and then there are these weird contraptions that you just jump in at the end of those stages where it'll just shoot you back to like where you need to be to continue the main level that you could play as originally with Shovel Knight, etc. So yeah, it does feel like those extra areas are much longer. Like there are multiple yeah. rooms you have to go through, and it adds like a bit of an explorative element to the game. Yeah, and cool. there were definitely points where I was just like, I think I've missed a bit, sort of thing. Like it was quite yeah. weird. Um, and that's the one thing about Plague and I, I found was that I was missing far less because the way that you're jumping about, throwing your bombs, the whole stage. 70% of the time whatever is like just exploding and right so, so it's much more likely for you to just throw a random bomb exactly. into a corner that opens up a secret because Precisely. it's just exploding there no, anyway no leaf is left unturned um, yeah. with Plague Knight and that's really cool it's just a different way of playing the game and I mean the second you get to some of the bosses you just you just jump up in the air and you shoot your bombs down on the boss you're you're quite safe while you're up in the air and shooting down unless they have a, a vertical projectile or something. So it's very unique compared to the way you would fight a boss as Shovel Knight. Uh, and often against the vast majority of bosses made it, that fight those fights a lot easier, which was interesting. I don't know. Yeah, it's it seems like you could break the game in many ways. I think some of the bosses could have, I mean it would have taken a lot more work to try and redesign them uh, to fit to Plague Knight. But some of the bosses, like Polar Knight, for example, I just absolutely steamrolled through because he's very much based on the ground. He's quite slow. He walks quite ploddingly. And so if you get in a good corner and yeah. just hammering him, then you can make very mean work. Whereas there are some bosses where I got very hung up, one of them being mm. Spectre Knight. And I think my problem there was I didn't have a specific upgrade that I should have probably had um, because what you need is like the lob which yeah. makes your bombs go in an arc above you and that makes that fight way easier but I had spent my money on a more expensive upgrade because I thought you know the, the way Shovel Knight operates is you want to spend your money when you're not on a stage because otherwise you lose risking all of it if you mm. have a bad time so you just want to get rid of that cash as soon as possible and as a result, I got this really uh, powerful flame uh, exploding thing, but I didn't have the lob. So I was kind of screwed there, and I had to beat him in a much harder way than I think the game probably intended me to do. And so there are a couple of pitfalls, I think. I think with Plague Knight, 
that if you just literally at any point, whether it's a boss or some difficult point in the stage with the other power-ups you can get, and there are so many power-ups in this game, and that's the thing is that if you just stop and think about how best to use your power-ups, it's almost like a puzzle in the way you can just make the rest of the stage incredibly easy if you use the right combination of power-ups, whether that's the way you throw your bombs, the powder you're using, or the power-up you're using in terms of your jump and like some of the jumps you unlock later in the game. So it's just completely... Like, I probably played this game in a completely different way to you, MBZ, and that's what yeah. I think is so great about this DLC. Like, we just talked about the final few levels um, off mic about how I was using one method and you were using another, and you're like, oh, no, my method's better. And I'm like, no, my method's better. And, so, uh, uh, uh. and like, I don't think necessarily one method might be better um, ultimately, but we just sort of experienced the game in a different way, whereas with Shovel Knight yes you can change your secondary weapon but they're broadly speaking more similar to all the range of weapons that plague knight can use you know yeah absolutely it is totally choose your poison uh for lack of a better term because you're mixing and uh changing up because the three elements that make up your bomb is like the arc of the throw the uh type of kind of weaponry that you're using and then how quickly it goes off and so with like seven or eight combinations in each of those subsections you can kind of turn out very differently for each Mm. person in terms of the way that they play through that game and yeah i agree with you i don't think there's necessarily a correct or best way but you acclimatize yourself to one you get used to it and then you kind of roll on through i think i definitely changed my style up a lot more than you did uh yeah you know that's just the way you are Bally. you just find something you like and you stick with it find what i like and i pummel it home yeah exactly um We've talked a lot about mechanics. Yeah. I think another great thing about this DLC is the theming and the story of like finding out about Plague Knight and like his relationship with Mona. Yeah. And straight away at the start of the game, uh, you're just like you complete the first level. You're like, oh, that's when I get to go to the village. And you go to the village, and then the guard stops you at the village. He's like, hey, you're Plague Knight. You're evil. You're not allowed in the village. And you're like, okay, right well, I guess I just jump over him or something or I blow him up, I get in a boss fight and fight him and then get in the village. And he's like, nope, he just doesn't let you in the village. And he turns you around, you blow up this house um, and then there's a whole underground dungeon. Um, it's a, effectively an entire separate town with you know potions and experiments going off in the background. Uh, you find out that like Mona is your kind of accomplice um, in creating all these bombs and potions and things and there's just an entirely different array of characters and shops and ways of upgrading your your weapons and things and i just love that idea that you know that the that yacht club games didn't just say right well here we go i guess we could change this shop in the town and this shop in the town they just basically said actually let's just make an entirely different town um, and I thought that was a really nice addition. And there, and the story between those two characters is, I did think, was quite good. Um, getting towards the end, uh, and like stuff does happen. I thought it was quite endearing. And I should also add that there's they add on musical themes for these characters and for that whole underworld section, which I just thought added an awful lot to the game. Yeah, I think yacht club certainly went above and beyond when it comes to the presentation here because they could have very easily just said okay we made a new character added abilities and kind of changed the levels a bit 
and you just go through the progression normally and you go to the yeah. village but they took the attention to detail to say no we're going to make this thematically appropriate here and we're going to have him go to the different place and meet with different characters but we're also going to tie it in to the original Shovel Knight story where exactly. you're going under the village and you see Shovel Knight going above uh, on top of you and the whole game is presented in the sense that Plague Knight is one step ahead of Shovel Knight and um you you do you know manage to fight him at some point and it is very funny the way that plays out at the end and how it kind of links into the way Shovel Knight finishes its campaign um, and it all fits together which is really cool and no spoilers but they do add awesome stuff at the end which is quite cool and yeah. I would highly recommend if you're struggling through those later stages to just plow onto the end because it's quite a cool ending and I did enjoy it and it's like made me really excited about what they're doing because I believe Spectre Knight and King Knight are already you know confirmed as the next two that this treatment is going to be done to Um, yeah I don't know how I feel about that in the sense that this was great and it was a good like excuse to play through Shuffle Knight again but I think it could potentially burn itself out because they aren't really changing the base nature of the stages um I think perhaps if it is a yearly release, as you know, Shovel Knight came out about a year ago, and Plague Knight is one year later. Yeah, it's been a year, hasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So if if that's the case, then maybe. Um, but I do feel like it's kind of you'd prefer Shovel Knight too, wouldn't you? It's quite a yeah. weird thing they've sort of signed themselves up to. Yeah, and they've kind of also built up a expectation now with how polished Plague Knight is and yeah. how much attention to detail they've put in. Now there is an expectation that the same level of polish and attention to detail will go into both of the other playable knights. Um, so, I mean, if I was in their position right now, I think I would go for one more quest that is like Plague Knight where you have, you know, a full extra village, an extra level or something, a whole new way of playing the game. I think that's great. And a great an extra story. Um do that for one more, but then I'd just incorporate the next character into Shovel Knight Two in some way. I I think just what if the start of Shovel Knight Two you could play as uh Spectre Knight or Shovel Knight and then spec they had they had slightly different quests. I mean that would be cool, but I also think that they need to fulfill their kickstarter rewards well, like, think... this is promised stuff for people and i think too often we see people promise things for kickstarters and not deliver them and it it is a bad situation they've maybe put themselves in but i think that they are going to continue through and see, they, they're gaining stuff. all the they're gaining all the kudos but not the actual money aren't they it's a weird situation where yeah they're sort of signed up to this and everyone's loving plague of shadows like it is a great game um and but like you said, two more characters might just be too much. Yeah, um, it might be. So it'll be interesting to see if they if they maybe skimp out on it a bit more, which I think everyone would, to be honest, be like, yeah, fair enough, considering what you did for Plague of Shadows and get on going with Shovel Knight 2, because I'm sure everyone is so excited about what that could be. Um, or if, if they want to maybe go in a completely different direction, do something else. Yeah, it'd be interesting if they made another campaign that wasn't necessarily as difficult as this one. I think a lot of people will get hung up on Plague of Shadows and quit out early because of how intimidating it starts off as. Like, I think even towards the end, like there were some moments where I felt that it was more cheap and not necessarily my fault. Uh, it was much more an issue with 
these stages and just playing Knight's abilities. Uh, I don't think I ever really felt that way with the original Shuffle Knight. I just think that some of the stuff wasn't conducive to him, and yet they were kind of beholden to the stages they'd already made because they can't just go ahead and make a bunch more. But, mm. you know, it's, it's a tough game. I so. Yeah, it will be intriguing to see what they do in the future, but um, whatever they do, super excited for what Yacht Club games do next. Um, yeah. I, I, before we move on, we can talk about, about the challenge mode because yes. that's in there as well. Um, how much of that have you played by? I've only completed the first three. And that's okay. something I need to go back to um, because, and it's really, really hard. <laughs> like yes. it is really, really hard. Um, and they're just so—I love the way that they've just taken so many elements out of Shovel Knight and just made it hard. So, like maybe, oh, you can't swing your shovel, or you, your life is reduced, or here's yeah. an overabundance of enemies coming at you, and that kind of thing. And it's just really kind of forcing you to play the game in different ways which I think is nice and it's in little bite sized chunks so even if you're having the most hellish of times it's only lasting like a minute and then you can move on to the next challenge or whatever yeah, they're, they're really cool, and they uh, also unlock a bunch of challenges for Plague Knight if you beat the main campaign. Oh. So, not only do you have 26 Shovel Knight-based ones, uh, Plague Knight gets his own as well, so there's Another quite 26? a lot of challenges. Yes, yes, Goodness they are all based sick. around him. Yeah, <laughs> Shovel Knight! So. <laughs> Shovel Knight? Um, Yacht Club Games, you need to like make some money. <laughs> yeah, stop giving us all this awesome stuff for free. It's, it's amazing. Um, yeah, so... That is, uh, that's pretty much all I've been playing. I haven't, I mean, I've been playing other stuff. Um, I've mainly been dipping into Mario Maker in terms of just seeing what people are saying about my levels because I haven't been playing much. <laughs> oh, I will say that I do uh, check in with certain levels now and again. Uh, Dan Reichert made a level called Sacrificing Yoshis and it is sadistic it is like really fucking evil and there's also a glitch in the level which is weird because I didn't think that Mario Maker would have glitches, but there is a point at which if you jump onto this area in a certain way, which is kind of the easiest way to get there, two Yoshi eggs will spawn at the same time, and one of them you need to go forward. So if it spawns at the same time, and you go on one Yoshi and try and jump up to the top, it turns into a mushroom. The Yoshi just turns into a mushroom and you can't get the thing and you can't move on. So it kind of just breaks the level, which is a little fuck. That's so weird. Um, yeah, it's really crazy, and I'm not sure what causes that, but uh, you have to basically jump on two uh, floating dry bones as opposed to jumping on one floating dry bones, which will then make them both hatch in a certain angle that allows you to keep both of them alive, which is just the weirdest thing, and I had to learn about that from just the, the Miiverse comments that were there, because I was getting to that point every time and being like, this is Im- this level is broken, it's literally glitched out and I can't beat it, uh, but I did manage to eventually get there and, and figure it out and finish that level, which is, oh man, it's hellish, but it's the sort of thing with Mario Maker where you find a level that someone you know has created and you just want to beat it. Like, that's all you want to do in the world. So, so much focus yeah. is placed on it. And before you know it, like, an hour has been spent on a single oh, level. Yeah. Which is great in many ways. Like, I enjoy the 100 Mario Challenge, but I think I get way more satisfaction out of going to someone like Dan Riker and being like, right, Dan, I'm going to beat this thing that you made. You're not going to defeat me. I will take you on. And uh, and finishing it and having that uh, that glory. So Mario Maker continues to be fantastic. I haven't made any more stages, but that will happen in the future. And uh, yeah, I've been playing Metal Gear Solid Five, which I haven't talked about at all. 
but it's fucking amazing and uh, I'll probably talk about it when I actually beat the game uh, but yeah so it's pretty much uh, all the things we've been playing it's uh, gonna end it for this section but don't go anywhere we'll be right back after this break with our top 50 games of all time don't want to miss it we'll be right back Alright everyone, welcome back to the 50th episode of this Nintendo Life. We're here, and it's time to discuss the elephant in the room. Or should I say, the 50 elements, or elements in the room. <laughs> elements. <laughs> yeah. Oh, there it's, are elements to play. the official TNL Top 50 Games of All Time. Yeah, so let's explain this list a little bit before we dive into it. Um... We're going to do this first section where we'll discuss uh, number 50 down to number 15. And we've kind of laid that out ourselves. We had a long discussion about it yesterday <laughs> where many uh, things were said. and Deals, um, deals were done. Yeah, deals were done, <laughs> underhanded, under the table. But our friendship um, stayed true. <laughs> <laughs> well, you think. <laughs> yeah, just Wait until the end of this episode. It could get nasty. Um, but yeah, so we've uh, kind of ordered those. I'm going to run through those first of all and talk about them a little bit. We're not going to, you know, spend too much time on each one, but uh, we're going to kind of pace our way through the games. And um, yeah, and this is kind of this is more of a list of games that if today we were sat down in a room and said you have to play 50 games, what are the games that you would play? These are the ones we would choose. So there's nothing with kind of nostalgic elements to it in here i mean some of the stuff yeah. does have that but it's also because the game stands up as a really solid experience yes um, so there's no animal crossing wild world in here there's no pokemon gold and silver or diamond or anything like that so the good old pokemon stadiums yeah exactly so Wii the, sports those kind of things those we felt would fit better on a different sort of list on kind of a more personal emotionally based top 10 where there's less kind of reason involved um there's obviously there's emotion in this one but um we should, and we should add these are all games on nintendo systems yes they're all nintendo they're not necessarily all made by nintendo but they no. all exist on nintendo systems um so yeah uh and I we think... and we also had the fun idea that you know this this list is so official so binding that it'd be a bit of fun because there's many games on this list that I've not played and likewise there's many games on the list that MBZ hasn't played so we sort of said maybe this could be like a nice sort of bridging the gap 
um, like the, the, almost the official TNL constitution where we sort of say, right, we all have to try, we both have to try these games for an hour at least each so that we kind of open up our minds to different gaming experiences, to games that we've both agreed we really love um, and just, you know, give them a go. Yeah, so the one hour rule will be instituted and we have to do it by this time next year <laughs> by, by this time i'd say the deadline you want to make it next year i was gonna i don't know we could say episode 100 i was knows. gonna say episode 100 would be quite yeah. a good target but we'll yeah. see and I, we can also take this list as like these are 50 games that you should probably play like more of a, a kind of a recommendation Definitely. list i guess so. and we've talked about the vast majority of these games on the podcast already yes. so i'm sure yeah. there'll be some some classics in there some familiar faces, we should say. Um, so yeah, uh, let's kick it off, Bally. Uh, what is it? Number fifty. Number fifty is this was inserted by you. It's Dragon Quest Nine on the Nintendo DS. Yes, Dragon Quest Nine is uh, a fantastic JRPG. Uh, it's the only Dragon Quest I've played, so I don't really have much context for the other ones. But it really makes me want to play a lot of uh, others in the series. It's very kind of formulaic. It's very traditional Japanese RPG. But it's got a wonderful art style to it. Um, the artist, I believe, is Akira Toriyama, who is behind Dragon Ball Z. So you will be very familiar with uh, the stuff he draws. And um, yeah, it's it's what is the first Dragon Quest game where there aren't random battles. So you can run around the map and see the enemies that are there. And if you want to, you know, go in for a fight, then you can. If you don't, just run away, which is a nice refinement to that system. Um, it's a really cool story. Very charming. Very bright and colourful. And uh, yeah, Bally, you should play an hour of this game at least at mm. some point, which we're going to I do. Will. So I will. So yeah. Uh, number forty-nine is we kind of cheated on this one, but we thought it was fair. Um, we we put the two Gunman Clives together, so it's Gunman Clive one and two. Yeah, um, they do exist on the Wii U as an HD collection. Absolutely. One and two. Um, Bally, what are your thoughts on Gunman Clive one and two? I uh, played both of them back to back earlier this year. Um, really great little game. So cheap, so easy to pick up and play. Um, great art style that's a really cool thing about this game and it's just such a slick s- s- the, the gaming mechanics are so slick um, you know it's that it's the traditional Mega Man style of action platformer you've got your gun you're jumping around defeating enemies but it's just that idea brought forward to, to modern times and put into a very short fast paced um, extremely slick like i said experience um on the well we played it on 3ds yeah it's also got a great use of 3d on that system like one of the best uses of 3d i've seen in any 3ds game so uh, fits nicely number 49 number 48 is bit trip runner 2 um a, a rhythm platform close to both our hearts it's just that that word again is going to keep coming up as slick. It's really well put together, this game. It is the way that the music interacts with the actions on screen. Um, it probably does that better than almost any other game I can think of. And Yeah, there aren't many which mix that idea of kind of rhythmic platforming. No. There's, of course, the sections in Rayman Legends which mm. do it very well, but those are only select levels. This is an entire game built around that premise, so... Number 47 is Mario Kart Double Dash. Um, Actually, my favourite Mario Kart of all time. Um, I promise this isn't a nostalgia pick. I absolutely love this game. Uh, I've had so many great times with this game. And it's a formula 
of you know two two racers on one cart that I pray Nintendo go back to because this game really is unique in the Mario Kart um, series. And I will say the one thing about Double Dash is that it dared to be bold. It dared to do something different, and I think that a lot of Mario Karts could learn from that. So. How often can you say that about Mario Kart? Like it's it's been so predictable in so many ways up to this point, um, yes. and it, this really stands out in so many good ways. Yes, it does. Number forty six is Prince of Persia: Sands of Time on the Nintendo GameCube. Yeah, this is an interesting one. It was up for RFN's Game of the Decade when they did that back in 2010. And back then I hadn't played it, and I was very interested in it. And I played it last year. And this is really, like, it's one of those games that is so ahead of its time. And it's a game in which you can see the DNA of so many things that came after it, such as the entire Assassin's Creed series seems to draw on so much of what Prince of Persia laid down with Sands of Time. Um, It has the amazing mechanic of rewinding uh, and being able to go back and retry your actions, which lots of games kind of used after the fact. And though maybe it doesn't hold up super well mechanically, it's really impressive on a technical level, and it's still really fun to play now, which is why it's on here. Like, maybe mm. it could have been more of a, a nostalgia pick, but I only played it last year, so I don't think I can kind of count it in that sense. I think it's just a super and solid held up well. action game. Yeah, yeah. It, it did, so, yeah. Number 45 is F-Zero Maximum Velocity on the Game Boy Advance. Um, I bought this game with... Um, it was one of the first games on the Game Boy Advance I believe I absolutely loved it back then and I've played it to death then and on the Ambassador program um, such as it's the best handheld um, F-Zero because unfortunately there's never been an F-Zero on DS or 3DS um, and if you go back all the way to this one it still holds up really well um, absolutely can't get enough of this game it rewards it's a tough game but it rewards skill um, and it's a skill that you can develop and becomes more rewarding as you get better and that's just like how f-zero should be so that's number 45 f-zero maximum velocity and it's a little high in this list i have to say but <laughs> i was so passionate about this game that it, it <laughs> remains at 45 above all these other games that we've already talked about number 44 is rayman origins on yeah the- So this is an interesting one because I played Rayman Origins on Steam, so I technically never played it on a Nintendo platform, but for me it stands above Legends because of that first impression. The impact it made on me was so huge because I wasn't really expecting it. I'd, you know, seen video footage of it and I'd heard people talk about how great it was, but it wasn't until I sat down and played Origins for the first time that I really understood, holy shit, Ubisoft have done a fantastic job here in taking the platformer and modernizing it in a way that feels fresh and really interesting artistically and just excellently designed. Rayman Origins is amazing in terms of its soundtrack in terms of its visuals and in terms of hey we can give you a challenging section and we're not going to give you bollocks live systems which means you have to continuously game over you just restart checkpoints and you you go and take on the challenges which they lay out for you um so that's why i put Raman origins here it's on wii it's on 3ds it's not on wii u but legends is um and i think the origins for me still stands above legends so Number 43 is Soul Calibur 2. Probably the, our favourite, you know, weapons fighter of all time. I guess our favourite traditional fighting game, yes. right? Um, 
yeah, it's 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 a game that still is good today. And yes, this could have been another nostalgia pick, but I played it recently, uh, or I played Soul Calibur Four with my sister recently. But the Soul Calibur series still holds up for me in so many ways. In I love the weapon variety that you can have. I love those joke weapons. I think Soul Calibur 2 also has the best single-player system of any of them, um, with the Weapon Master mode, where you're going across the map and doing specific challenges that are based around, you know, guard-breaking, or knocking people off the edge, or going through a dungeon and fighting multiple people to get to a boss. It's really well laid out, and it also has cameos from very interesting folk from Nintendo platforms, i.e. Link, who has a, a very cool roster of weapons in his lineup. Um, so yeah, Soul Calibur 2 is excellent. At number 42 is Pilot Wings Resort for the 3DS. Uh, I bought this, we both bought this game with the launch of the 3DS. Um, I definitely took to it more than you did, MBZ, but you did, I... Yeah. I got a bit carried away with this one. I just absolutely loved the mission mode and completed every single mission with a perfect score. Um, it took a while. I, I only completed all those missions on perfect um, when I picked up my new 3DS, but I'm so glad I did go back to that game because I just think the mechanics of a flying sim like this game are so solid and I just really hope I need I really do need to try Pilot Wing 64 um, and I think they set out a good framework as to how they could do another Pilot Wings game in the future either on Wii U or NX or whatever it's a solid game in my mind yeah and then number 41 is Super Monkey Ball 2 on the GameCube yeah there has to be a Monkey Ball game in here somewhere for me it's a fantastic series if only short lived in the good ones uh, by, by which I mean the Wii version and the DS version GBA and anything kind of past the original two doesn't really hold a candle to what those games originally started as you know the first two Monkey Balls are exceptionally fun games they are so well designed and they are brutal in terms of difficulty but so satisfying when you finally figure it out and you finally mm. get a hold on the mechanics um monkey ball 2 is the one that i own i know Bally, that you don't own either of them but you have played them extensively yes, at my yes. house and everything and i think you can agree that absolutely uh, such a simple mechanic but such a fun game at the same time it's just really well done really well put together and it was kind of the unexpected hero on the launch of the gamecube yes it was number 40 is vvv how many v's am i going to say vvvvv <laughs> there are six v's Bally. there are six v, 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 v. Oh, i missed one there we go v yeah there you go <laughs> uh so I uh, threw this one in here, but you have yet to play this game. But I think when you do, you will understand why I love it so much. Not only is it taking a very simple concept of gravity switching and presenting you with ample platforming challenges, but VVVVVV has one of the best soundtracks in any game. Uh, there is a particular rock remix on YouTube um, that I listen to quite often. It's one of the rare exceptions of me listening to kind of versions and covers of game music because the soundtrack to this game is fucking phenomenal. It does 8-bit music in a way that it's only really rivaled by something like Shovel Knight. And I think that when you finally pick this up, that will stand out to you, Bally, and you will be humming these tunes for a very long time. So Great. It's a great game. Number 39 is Mario Kart 7 on the 3DS. 
And you may be wondering, how did Bally let Mario Kart 7 get on this list? Uh, the reason is because Mario Kart 7 is my favourite Mario Kart. Um, mm-hmm. It, for me, controls the most tightly. It has the best variety of courses. It has the 3D, which I think enhances the game in many aspects and makes it more of an immersive experience. Uh, and the fact that I like it so much makes a big difference because, you know, it me... Was... Sorry, I was just going to say, it's the first Mario Kart that we actually had, you know, a really tight head-to-head racing record. Yeah, it was pretty much 50-50 when it came to Mario Kart 7, as opposed to when we played on DS, where I'd win maybe one out of every 20 races. (laughs) Um, Mario Kart 7 kind of leveled the playing field, and Mm. it made it so that I could compete with Bali, and it was more of a fun experience. Um, And yeah, it's... I really enjoyed this game and it's one of those games that I would take to a desert island and be perfectly happy playing for a very long time so that's why it's up here at number 39 number 38 is The Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time yes, a classic for many people, for me I really like Ocarina of Time and Again, if this was a nostalgia list, it would likely be much higher. But I think with time and distance, looking back on it, the dungeons are exceptional. They stand out to me greatly, but it seems a little bit antiquated in other aspects, uh, though it still you know, holds up excellently. Um, and we have other Zeldas on this list, but this is the first one that we're going to be talking about. So. Yeah, it has issues, but for what it did... Um... It is a phenomenal game, and it does ho- the, the the phenomenal parts do hold up. Like you said, the dungeons, um, exploring an open world, it's a fantastic open world. Hyrule Field still feels amazing. Um, I just fin- I just completed this game, and yeah, right up there, love it. Um, number thirty seven is Codename Steam, a very uh, recent entry into my favorite games list. Um, Codename Steam, as I talked about last week, is just so so much fun um and it's very flawed i do agree on many points that people make that there are huge glaring issues with this game but when it comes down to the pure mechanics and the way it's set out and the tenseness i think that's for me what is the greatest aspect of codename steam is that kind of struggle at the end where you're almost making it and your guys are on the lowest amount of health possible and you need to get past this certain area and when you do the feeling of elation is enormous because those situations it creates are so tense number 36 is kirby canvas curse on the ds Uh, we've both played this one um i probably liked it a bit more than umbz uh this is my favorite game on ds uh it's for a number of reasons. It utilizes the the hardware of the DS better than almost any other game, I would say. Um, and on top of that, it just produces a really great new look on the way you 2D platform. Um, it's got all the charm a Kirby game always has. Uh, but with that new playstyle, it was just blew me away. Um, and it's a game I would happily go back to. Absolutely love Kirby Canvas Curse. I know you're a little bit soured by um, Rainbow Curse MBZ. Yeah, but I think I can still appreciate Canvas Curse, especially in the sense that this is a game that I borrowed from you and beat over the course of a weekend mm. in an era when I wasn't beating games a lot. Like, I was playing a lot of games, but I wasn't getting to the end of them. Neither of us were. 
And Kirby Camus Curse kind of stands out as a game that I went the whole way through and finished and was satisfied with. Um, and yeah, it kind of speaks to how good of an experience it is that it you know made me want to go that distance. So number thirty-five is Super Mario Sunshine on the Nintendo GameCube. Uh, this is a game that was my first proper uh, 3D platformer, really. Um, it, it and my first Mario platformer definitely. Uh, it turns the, that formula on its head. It introduces flood. It's it's probably the hardest Mario 3D platformer in existence. Um, I have still not beaten this game. This is a, a game I have to get back to. Uh, I really hope there is a remake of this game because I think it is a, a beautiful game. It's a really unique. Uh, the destination of Al Delfino is a great setting for this game and i just love all the new stuff it does to mario and everything since has been more formulaic more um without flood obviously and i'd like to see nintendo go back to trying something that's as unique and out there as what they did with flood and super mario sunshine it's a game that I have yet to play, and I have a lot of experience of watching you play it. Watching me uh, fail play it? Like, this yes. game is so hard. <laughs> it is difficult, but it's, it's one of those games that I am really desiring an HD remake for. Like, mm, there are a lot of too. elements in Sunshine that could do with improving, and I think that just like Wind Waker did for me with the HD version, Sunshine could potentially be very high up my own personal list uh, if they do a good job in remaking it. So, here's hoping. Number 34 is The Legend of Zelda Twilight Princess. Now, if this was a nostalgia list, Bally, this would be number one. Uh, of course oh, it would be. It has to be. It's the legendary game of my past, uh, the Let's Play for which is going five years strong. Um, Twilight Princess, though, I still think has the best dungeons in any Zelda. Uh, they are long. They are complex. They are varied and interesting and have different items that are so unique and never before seen in any Zelda before or after. Mm. And because of that, they are so rewarding to complete. And they have so many interesting hidden areas and secrets. And um, they're just well-designed. You know, Twilight Princess is the epitome of the Zelda dungeon experience. Uh, if, if Ocarina of Time was kind of the building blocks, Twilight Princess was the refinement for me. Yes. And um, I think it should be lauded for that. Uh, maybe doesn't have the most memorable overworld. It maybe is a little dark in places and could be argued that one of the less pretty Zeldas. It's, it's not a mm-hmm. great looker as Twilight Princess, but when it comes down to the core of what Zelda is, the dungeons... It does it better than almost any other for me. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, absolutely love this game. The dungeons, I would also agree, are right up there with the best Zelda dungeons um, out there. And yes, it is a dark game, but I think along with how dark the game is, it has a really interesting story, probably more so than most 3D Zeldas. Um, so yeah, yeah. i big fan. Number 33 is Luigi's Mansion 2 on the 3DS. What a great game. What a great game that kind of floored me in a way that I didn't imagine it would. Um, I didn't play the original Luigi's Mansion, and so I didn't have that great expectations for this, but they took the formula of the original and kind of bite-sized it down to the 3DS, uh, broke it into missions, and created an almost point-and-click adventure-style game with Luigi, uh, which 
is really interesting because it's not super action focused you know a lot of the bosses don't necessarily require pure skill in terms of movement and you know move yeah. shooting around it's much Quite more puzzle based yeah it's much more of a logic and a, a thinking man's game um which i do appreciate and i think it also has excellent use of the 3d on 3ds yeah i completely agree that the 3d looks incredible with this game um there's almost there's so many layers of spiders and dust yes and different yeah environments to explore and exploration is a really big part of this game even though it's split into missions um there's a real emphasis on clearing out a room or even before the room's cleared out just to explore what's going on what you what your vacuum cleaner can suck on and things like that what what there is to discover so much treasure to discover and things like that uh very different from the first game of which i've played some um but really enjoyed this one um Number 32 is WarioWare Twisted on the Game Boy Advance. We had to have a WarioWare in here, Bally. It's one of those series that we both really enjoyed, and Twisted does kind of stand up as the epitome. It, um, it takes what was great about the original and quite literally turns it on its head. Uh, the idea <laughs> of using the motion sensor without having issues of, you know, for example, the 3DS uh, and the, losing the 3D or having issues of the Wii remote and having it point correctly at the sensor bar. It just functions as it should. Um, and it also has a really great variety of little toy box items that you can unlock which are all really unique and different and use the system in crazy ways um and that's like one of the most fun aspects of it is like unlocking those and see what new stuff you get out of the um uh not a pachinko machine but it's like um you know, it's one of those machines a roulette or something. yeah 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 um, so no uh, this game is i agree the best warrior uh warriorware game it's got the most unique mini games and like you said the toy box is just full of so many different experiences um really taking a simple formula and changing it up massively uh and i mean i think a lot of the games on this list they take formulas and change them up and this game probably does it better than almost all of them um i'd love them to return to some sort of mechanic like this because it worked so well for this game indeed Number 31 is Super Mario 3D Land on the 3DS. Super Mario 3D Land is the second best 3D Mario game, Bally. Um, I like it more than the original Galaxy. I think Galaxy 2 probably stands up as a better game. But for me, 3D Land did everything it did impeccably well. And unlike its successor, 3D World, it didn't borrow that much from the Galaxy games. Yes, this is an EAD Tokyo joint, but I think... 3D Land succeeded in being the best use, and still to date the best use of the Nintendo 3DS's stereoscopic effect. Um, it created rooms in which you needed that perspective in order to get through them. Uh, it had levels that were short and bite-sized and perfectly suited for a handheld, and it had such a great experience of just moving through world to world without having to run around a spaceship like in Galaxy or do anything. It was very much a simple setup focused on the pure leveling and the platforming and um, I think for you know many reasons it's it's so replayable, it's so much fun, it is an incredible game. And it was, Land stands up for me. And it was a great return of, you know, like the Tanuki suit and introducing the flagpoles into a 3D Mario. I think that's yes, just a really yeah. cool idea. And obviously 3D World developed on many of the ideas, but the original handheld version um, just suited that style so well. It did. I had to fight for this one. Number 30. 
number 30, Wave Race Blue Storm on the GameCube. This game launched with the GameCube, um, and in terms of a good-looking, realistic racer on, on the GameCube, I think there were few games that were as awesome as this game at the time, and I do believe it holds up well. It is a really, really challenging game. Um, I've not played the N64 original, but in terms of a game that says, right, you're going to have to weave through all these buoys, and there's no let-up, and you get disqualified if, if you miss five, and that's that. This is one of the most challenging racing games I've ever, ever played, a lot like F-Zero, actually. And I think the polish Nintendo put on this game, in both the way it looks, the way it plays, the way it handles, it works so well on the GameCube, especially with the shoulder triggers that are so crucial to the maneuvering in this game. Um, it's one of my top racing games of all time, and I really love it. Yeah, I... I was looking at this list and I was like, why is this here, Bally? Why is Wave Race? <laughs> because every list? time we've played it together, you end up going the wrong way or going backwards or disqualified, and it's, it's always a brutal experience. But for me, it's one of the most frustrating things it, I've played in my life. It's um, very challenging, I will not deny. It takes an awful lot of getting used to. But I think for you, that's something that you yes. like to conquer. Like yeah, you love, absolutely. In terms of racing games, at least, you love conquering that challenge, that yes. difficulty, and that's why you love F Zero and Wave Race so much. And yeah, it's so similar, like you said, to F Zero in that aspect. Um, yeah. Number twenty nine is the Legend of Zelda Skyward Sword. I love Skyward Sword, Bally. I think Skyward Sword is the Mario sixty four of Zelda games, and I mean that in a way that you probably aren't thinking about. Not in the sense that it was this revolutionary crazy thing, but in the sense that its structure is such that it feels like you're jumping into paintings, you know, because there isn't this cohesive world uh, below. You can't go between the areas, and I think a lot of people have that criticism of it, but the idea of having this lovely, nice hub in the sky where you can go and do side quests and explore the islands and find these... Um, gratitude crystals and bring them back to that guy who's under the house and you want to turn him back into a human the way the game is structured for me is so satisfying because it allows you to go down into the world do the zelda stuff and then take a break relax chill out in skyloft and do a couple of side quests and open up a new area in skyloft because of a new item you just got and find the cube in the sky that you activated from being below um, it also has like one of the most intricate combat systems in any video game. Learning that and getting good at that is one of the most satisfying things I have ever done in my experience as a gamer. Skyward Sword's controls are a sticking point for many people, but for me they are the epitome of that game. They are what make it so great because it turns combat not into a button mashing fest, but into a strategic, um, well thought out and kind of um, very kind of logical affair. So... For me, Skyward Sword, one of my favourite Zelda games, and I know that Bally, you had problems with it, and you struggled mm. through it, uh, which is probably why you don't rate it as highly, but I, I really like Skyward Sword. My favourite aspect of this game was the unique way in which you could use multiple items um, yes. in different ways, in different dungeons, in different experiences. Um, I absolutely love that. And the way you go through dungeons is so unique in this game. Yes, I definitely did struggle with a lot of the motion controls, um, but I still enjoyed the motion controls. I, it, it was challenging. I really struggled on many bosses. Um, I'd love to give this game another go one day um, and try and get a, a better grip of the motion controls and have a smoother yeah. experience because it is a really strong game. 
Number 28 is Fire Emblem Awakening on the 3DS. And I think this is uh, one of those cases where if you had played this Bali, it may have ended up higher on the list. But without mm-hmm. context, um, I decided that, yes, this is probably a good place for Fire Emblem Awakening. Fire Emblem Awakening is the Ocarina of Time of Fire Emblem games. And kind of contrary to what I just said about Skyward Sword being the Mario 64 of... Uh, um, Zelda games, Fire Emblem is the ocarina in the sense that it was it is the game that made this series huge. You know, it's the one that kind of rocketed it into the stratosphere and became mainstream and is appreciated for so many aspects because this game is just enormous in terms of scope and in terms of the different things you can do. Um it's kind of endless because the system of having children and matching up people and making that relationship stuff matter in a way that it didn't matter as much in previous uh, entries in the series uh, creates an experience that is kind of everlasting. Uh, You can match up as many people as you like, have different abilities. The skill stuff is insanely complicated. The amount of DLC for this game is out of this world. The story is excellent. It's visually beautiful. It is an incredible experience all around. And while it may not be my favorite Fire Emblem, I think it might be the best if if we look at them objectively. So, hmm. yeah, yeah, gonna uh, just about to play this one. Um, it's not gonna make the cut this time, but you know, next list we do, it could feature higher. It could do. Um, from one awakening to another, number yes. twenty-seven is the Legend of Zelda: Link's Awakening. Let's be honest, Bali. I... The only reason it's here is because we wanted to have those two games back to back because they're both called Awakening. Precisely. <laughs> it's not to do with how good they are, though. No. Yeah, it, I picked this up in a sale. Uh, didn't know what to expect. So many people before I'd played this said what an incredible this game this was. And I looked at screenshots and gameplay and it does not look like it ages well at all just from looking at it. But the second you play it and you explore that world and you explore the dungeons, uh, you get involved in the mini quests and the way that world op- functions and operates. I think it is a really unique Zelda um, and one of my favorites. It's so different to a game like Link to the Past and the way you get from one dungeon to another. Um, it's not It's not simple. It's a very, very challenging um, game at points. I definitely did need some save states. But the way it interacts with other Nintendo franchises, there's Zelda, not Zelda, there's, there's Mario, Kirby, uh, Chain Chomps, all this sort of thing. The, the way they're intrinsically linked throughout the story um, is really interesting. And it's a really cool Zelda. It's a really interesting story. Um, I'd highly recommend it. Well, I'm going to play it, I guess, because it's on the list. So yeah. Oh, <laughs> we'll it's, it's worth it. Um, number 26 is quite a new one. Super Mario Maker on the Wii U. Yeah, and I think this is the only 2D Mario on this list. Uh, Blasphemy. For good reason, because we don't really like 2D Mario on this podcast. (laughs) Um, Super Mario Maker is fucking wonderful. It is just such a brilliant experience in so many ways. Um, I think that this could move higher in the list later down the line if Nintendo come back to it and patch it and make the search options better and all that stuff. But currently as it is the package of what super mario maker delivers is kind of incomparable to any other creation tool that has ever been put out into the world Um, yeah the the way nintendo help you in teaching you how all the 
the part to work help you make the levels the ease with which you can upload those levels share the levels although there are some issues um it's incredible it's the 991 to 1% ratio was completely smashed on its head turned on its head and that's so great to see because it's all about the creativity and it's all the fans i'm sure are just making well it's officially over a million stages already created which is unbelievable yes indeed good stuff Number 25 is Wario Land The Shake Dimension. This is my favourite Nintendo 2D platformer of all time. Wario Land The Shake Dimension is not only one of the most beautiful games that I've ever seen in my life, but it also subverts so many areas of what a platformer should be and does so many interesting things with the Wii specific controls. Um, and what I mean by that is that there's no shake gimmicks in here. As I mean, <laughs> funnily enough, yes, you do shake the Wii remote quite a bit uh, in terms of like you'll go up to coin bags and shake the living hell out of them to get coins out of them. But that's not necessarily what the game is focused around. It does so many different things with the tilt uh, mechanics that the Wii Remote can take a hold of. Um, and it just plays exceptionally well. As I said before, that art style is... It feels like a cartoon. Like, it's a Wii game, and it's not an HD, but it's still one of the best-looking things I've ever seen. It's just the animation on Wario is so smooth, and it has so many incredible nuances to it. Um this game is fantastic so much fun so creative and uh really needs to be played by everyone it's excellent really excellent yeah i'm gonna play this uh before the year's out so i really look forward to it yes number 24 is f-zero gx on the nintendo gamecube this is my favorite nintendo racer of all time um and i should also say that sega played a big role in its development um it is like wave race it's incredibly difficult really hard there's a heavy use of the shoulder buttons with the gamecube pad again um but it's also got the most challenging story mode I might have seen in any game ever easily any racer I've played in terms of a story mode it's the way that you unlock each level the way that you have to um, replay certain story mode missions in order to get more currency to unlock future missions is just such a tough but fair way of doing things and I think it is maybe going a bit far to say that this game can appeal to everyone because I don't think it can. I think it's really gone out of its way to appeal to a real racing hardcore who want a game that is incredibly difficult, incredibly challenging, but also very rewarding. Um, I'd also have to say that it visually looks like it's in HD even though it's not. The frame I mean, it runs is... at 60 frames a second and exactly. it is gorgeous. And and even from someone like yourself, Henry said, who's not an F Zero fan, you can see that it's an incredibly good looking game, incredibly fast paced. I can appreciate how technically adept F Zero yes. GX is. It is one of the most impressive GameCube games ever made uh, on a technical level. Absolutely. And I mean, it's criminal that there's not been another F Zero game um, since this one. So I really hope something can come in the near future because. A game like this needs to come about again. F0GX is so sweet. Number 23 is Phoenix Wright 3. What's the full title of this one? It is Trials and Tribulations. Trials and Tribulations. So, 
I had a couple of choices of what Phoenix Wright game I could put on here. I was thinking maybe it could be Leighton versus Wright, which I really loved. Dual Destinies was excellent last year. The original Phoenix Wright is just tremendous, and perhaps on a nostalgia list that would win out. But for me, the third Phoenix Wright game is the culmination, and really you have to view this game in the perspective of the two that came before it. Because really, if you haven't played those, then I wouldn't recommend you play Phoenix Wright Trials and Tribulations. You need to have experienced the full spectrum of what Shutakumi has laid forward in his writing. Um, the way this game wraps up is perhaps one of the most insanely impressive things I have ever seen in any game. It takes elements from the first and second game, explains them, fits things into this timeline which spans like 30 or 40 years and has it all make kind of logical sense while also sprinkling in that uh, coveted craziness that Phoenix Wright is known for. Um, the story is exceptional. Uh, the gameplay remains very solid. Phoenix Wright Trials and Tribulations is pretty much a masterpiece in terms of this genre. Um, and if you've never played any of these games, play all of them and get to the third one and experience the gravitas, is what I say. Number 22 is Super Metroid on the Super Nintendo. Super Metroid is hailed as a classic by many. And I still think, for me personally, the Metroid Fusion is a superior game. And that's not nostalgia speaking. That's just, from for me, from a technical level in terms of how solid the mechanics are, it is a preferred experience. But Super Metroid really pioneered in terms of exploration and in terms of atmosphere and in terms of um, upgrades and all that stuff. And I think, Bally, for you, Super Metroid stands above Fusion. Yes, it was the first 2D Metroid I think I played. I can't even remember now. No, you played Fusion Did first. I play it first? Okay. Yes, you did. It It's so incredible that this game came out in the early 90s when you think about how how much it changed gaming in a way. The way that you're exploring this world and you're delving deeper and deeper into the planet Zebes. And like you said, you're getting those unlockables. It's traditional Metroid. It's traditional. This is how the tradition almost started in a way of, of defeating those incredibly tough bosses that are kind of sprawled out across this world and, and finding out how to reach them, how to access them. All the secret upgrades with the bombs, the missiles, that kind of thing. There's so many things to explore in this game where the game time, gameplay time can range so drastically based on how thoroughly you decide to explore that world. Um, it's incredibly tough at points. Some of the most tough boss fights I've ever faced in any game. Somewhat by your own uh, ineptitude in terms of not getting enough <laughs> Precisely. energy tanks. Um, but such a, such an interesting story and like an interesting ending to what is one of the most sort of iconic Metroid um, games of all time. Um, it's always going to be quite an important game to me um so yeah super metroid such a classic number 21 is mega man 2 on the nes i think this should be way higher but <laughs> as it happens it's it's sitting here mega man 2 is it's an all-time classic it is it's a lesson in game design. It's a tour de force in mechanics. It is so tight and so well put together and has memorable stages and memorable bosses and an incredible level of difficulty, but also 
a difficulty that doesn't feel unfair when it comes to something like Mega Man 3, which I think is excellent, but also a little bit too hard. I think Mega Man 2 straddles the line aptly enough to the point where you can get through it if you try hard enough and if you memorize those patterns and if you get it all down. Um, it's just excellent in every sense of the word. And if Bally wasn't here, it would be much higher on this list, I think. <laughs> I still love it. Um, it's one of the very few NES games I really, uh, really have enjoyed. Um, it's tough. I definitely found some parts a little more unfair than you suggested. Uh, but yeah, it's such a solid action platformer. Um, number 20 is Trine 2. What a fantastic game. Trine 2... It makes you feel like you can solve anything in your own unique way. The way that the physics system is implemented in that game, you can put together like this weird contraption of three boxes and a platform and have it hanging off a thing while also swinging. And the way in which that is all put together most of the time is completely unique to however anyone else has attempted to solve that puzzle. And that kind of emergent gameplay is why this stands out to me. Yeah, it's. I personally absolutely love the fantasy setting and the the, the musical soundtrack. It's that combined with this kind of mystical way of almost solving any puzzle any way you want to um, is just so unique in a two D puzzle platformer. And it's not like anything I've ever played before. It so real real favorite for me. Um, number 19, Donkey Kong Country Tropical Freeze. Um, I've talked an awful lot on this podcast about this game, so I'm not... Oh, have you? I didn't notice that. I'm not gonna go too far into depth, but this is my favourite 2D platform of all time, probably. It's really, really, um, it, it... combines the 2D with 3D in a way I absolutely love um, the, the environments um, the soundtrack, I've gone on about soundtracks but David Wise in this soundtrack is something I will listen to um, hours on end away from the video game entirely that, but this game, it's incredibly tough, it's incredibly um, incredibly colourful, incredibly bright and it mixes up a couple of new mechanics from the other Donkey Kong Country games without going off the script. It's still a really solid Donkey Kong Country game and I just love the way DK handles. Um, absolutely love this game. Number 18 is Bayonetta 2. Bayonetta 2 is probably a video game that feels the best to play that I have ever played in my life. If I were to be a non-English speaking person because the way I put that sentence together was horrendous but you get my meaning Bayonetta 2 feels like you are a god when you are pressing those buttons and getting the visual feedback of the insanity that is happening on your screen it feels like nothing else in the world stringing together combos using your gun to make sure that it sticks and that you don't lose it flying through the fucking sky while a giant dragon chases you and there are cherubs to your right and fucking devils to your left and you are smashing them all in the face with fucking chain chomps for legs that is when you know that a video game has become ridiculous and also incredibly fun Bayonetta 2 is something that may be a little niche in terms of genre but opens it up to a wider audience I feel and um, it's one of those 
spectacle fighters that I think anyone can pick up and just have fun with. It's just fun. Pure fun. Number 17 is Super Mario Galaxy. The original. I think it's very hard to overstate the impact that this had on both of us personally when we first played it. Mm. Now, in hindsight, I think we can both agree that Galaxy 2 is a superior game. But that first experience with the original Galaxy is a mind-blowing one, and one that I don't think many games have been able to reproduce for us. Like, as as folk who grew up not necessarily playing Mario 64 when it came out and not having the context of 2D to 3D, the shift to Galaxy was kind of that magnitude for us, I think. It's it's really unique, but it's also incredibly accessible. We've already talked about Mario Sunshine, which I don't think is as accessible, just because it's so hard. This game, yes. while it's hard in, in places, in general isn't overly challenging, I believe. I think it's a really, really solid platformer at the same time as not being too unfair. And the you know the way the planets interact the gravitational pools the way that you defeat certain enemies is so different so unique and on top of that this game might as well be in hd it, it's another game that looks incredible on the wii they really pushed the art right up to the right up to the max and it really rewards um great art design because some of the textures and things like that just hold up so well with this game and number 16 is Pikmin 3. So this is another game that I've talked about an awful lot on this podcast. But Pikmin 3 is the quintessential Pikmin. It's such an improvement on Pikmin 2. And that's partly to do with the fact that there was such a large gap. But Pikmin in HD is a match made in heaven. Like this game, the, the idea of Pikmin having so many small units on screen interacting with the environment is so looks so much better so much more lush in hd and the some of the environments the water the autumnal effects the jungles the forest they all look so nice in this game um there's some really unique bosses with new pikmin new ideas new new ways of defeating enemies um you can now split your party up into three there's a whole mission mode challenge mode as well as the story mode cooperative play versus play there's so much in this game and it's just an incredible kind of real-time strategy sort of game um with a nice nintendo polish a nice nintendo shine over the whole thing um absolutely can't say enough good things about pikmin 3 Number 15 is Chrono Trigger. Chrono Trigger is a game that I played this year, and a game that I've heard many great things about. One might say hyperbolic things about. But I'm here to tell you, ladies and gentlemen, that all those things are true. Because Chrono Trigger is fucking incredible. It is one of the best JRPGs ever made. It is so ahead of its time. A game that came out 20 years ago, and yet get to the heart of what the good aspects are about JRPGs way better than any that even come out in this day and age. Um, It has a wonderful cast of characters that are so diverse and varied and interesting. It is written extremely well. Um, It is beautiful. It's a Super Nintendo game, so the sprites will hold up forever and ever. It has a battle system that is extremely diverse and unique and interesting and combines powers and things together in ways that you don't necessarily expect um and it just holds up in 
aspects are the best. It's look, I I can't do words anymore. Current Trigger's amazing. Play Chrono Trigger. Well, there you have it. That is our official episode fifty, the TNL top fifteen to fifty. <laughs> games of all time we're really bad sense. about titling things like this aren't we yes. well, our top 10 games of the year that, that only came out this year yeah precisely <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah that was a lot of good games we just talked about <laughs> there were but there are still 14 more to go Bally so after this break we will come back and we will argue about what should be our best games of all time ever of history of forever for this Nintendo life. So don't go anywhere. Join us back after the break when we'll be shouting in each other's faces. everyone welcome back to the show for the final segment of episode 50 in which Bally and I decide what the top 14 games are going to be on this list of ours Um, we have 14 games I will read them out in no particular order and then we will fight about them we have The Legend of Zelda The Wind Waker we have Super Mario Galaxy 2 Super Smash Brothers for Wii U Xenoblade Chronicles Fire Emblem 7 Guacamelee, Splatoon, The Legend of Zelda, A Link Between Worlds, Super Mario Land 2, The Six Golden Coins, Shovel Knight, Metroid Fusion, Metroid Prime, Guitar Hero 3, and Advance Wars. So, Bally, where are we going to start here? (laughs) I was thinking we could be quite brutal and do our bottom four first. Our personal bottom four out of these... And then we come together and argue about <laughs> which one should be. Or do you... Okay, so here's my um, opinion. Is that we choose games that absolutely should be in the top ten or even top five. Because we know there are some in here that why are going to be in the top ten regardless. Why don't we alternate nominating a top and then a bottom or a bottom and then a top. Mix it up and then... No, choose. let's just go for the top. Let's go for the top going first. For top, we're going top yeah. first. Yeah. What and, needs um, to be in the top five in your mind? 
Galaxy 2 needs to be in the top 10, at least. Top 10, at least. Yeah. I mean, it could be top 5. Let's just say for the moment, into the top just 10. top 10. Okay, yeah. right. Galaxy 2. I provisionally agree. Galaxy yep. 2 yep. can be in the top 10. Your what turn. about Smash 4? Yes. Okay. That goes there. I'm adjusting a Word document the entire time just to let everyone know. Right. Excellent. <laughs> so Galaxy 2 and Smash 4 we both think should be in the top 10. Yes. I think Wind Waker should be in the top 10. Yep, I agree with that. Right. Do you want to suggest one? I think Xenoblade Chronicles should be in the top 10. Okay. I think Link Between Worlds should be in the top 10. Come back to me. Come back to me on Link Between Worlds. Okay. Shall I say another one? Yeah. I think Metroid Prime should be in the top 10. think I'm going to allow it. For now? For now. For now? For now. For now, Metroid Prime. But it Prime's. might mean that I'm making a, a deal later on. Alright. Alright. So games we have left that aren't in the top ten yet. Yep. Fire Emblem 7, Guacamelee, Splatoon, Link Between Worlds, Mario Land 2, Shovel Knight, Metroid Fusion, Guitar Hero 3, Advance Wars. Okay, I, I'm not sure I feel strongly about any of these being absolutely have to be in the top ten. And so far, we have one, two, three, four, five games in the top ten. Okay, those are certs. So feel... out of the remainder, which do you feel the most strongly about being in the top ten? I mean, for me personally, I'd like Metroid Fusion to be in the top ten. It doesn't necessarily have to be very high on the list, but if it makes it to like nine or even 10 I think I feel so strongly about that game that I think it needs to be represented there okay I think before we have a Metroid Fusion discussion there are a lot of games left that we will strongly agree on that should be top 10 okay I would I would nominate one of you know Guacamelee Splatoon one of those two I believe I'm going to go with Guacamelee. I think yeah. that should be in the top ten. I think Guacamelee should be in the top ten, yeah. Right. That's another one. I feel like Splatoon doesn't necessarily need to. I feel like Splatoon I, I can, agree. can I fit agree. outside of that. Shall we make Splatoon our first nomination to be outside? Yeah, let's do that. Okay, Splatoon's getting put to the bottom. Right. I think Fire Emblem 7 doesn't necessarily need to be in the it's top ten. It's on the 10, border for me. It's on the but border. It, but it, it could be it a could number be. ten. It, it could, could be, be a number it ten. It could be quite a good number ten. Yeah. Well, provisionally. Provisionally put it there. Is it? Is this anything you feel has to be above Fire Emblem 7? I think no. I think for me personally no. I know you'll probably say I'm going to reach out to you with one. I'm going to reach yeah, out. Yeah, okay. I'm going to reach out with Shuffle Knight. Okay. For top ten. 
I really like Shovel Knight. I really do. But for me, something like Guitar Hero 3 has a a bigger shot. At top 10? Yes. Oh. 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 <laughs> oh. Guitar Hero 3 above stuff like Splatoon. Okay, let me make an argument. Wars. Let me make an argument for Guitar Hero 3. Okay, here we go. Guitar Hero 3 changed my life. When I, I got that game, I not only opened myself up to music that I had never heard before, I a lot of my musical tastes were shaped by that game. And I went on to not only play it for hundreds and hundreds of hours and become incredibly apt at playing that game, but I then went and bought a guitar and learned to play guitar because of Guitar Hero 3. I cannot understate the importance of that game for me personally. I I, I agree, I just don't see it top 10. I think it's a prime candidate for 10 to 14. But you you played that game a lot with me. I did. I did. I like it a lot. Um, it's really good. My favorite game it's within so that good. genre. It's the, it's the best. No, it's, it is fundamentally the best. It has the best songs when it comes to that style of gameplay. The variety in terms of the button presses and the trills and all the stuff that you have to nail down in Guitar Hero 3. It is the most fun to play out of any of those rhythm games. And it has songs that are conducive to it. Because you have the Dragon Force craziness, but you also have the rhythm-based stuff. You have a lot of classics in there. You have um, a lot of instrumental stuff, which is so much fun to play. I don't feel like Guitar Hero 3 and Metroid Fusion can get in the top 10. No, that's crazy. That's crazy. Because I think that we can get both of them in there and we can kick out something else like Maryland 2. Like, that doesn't need to be in the top okay. 10. I so, feel like Link Between Worlds doesn't need to be in the oof, top 10. See, Link Between Worlds, that's... that's because I think, that the, I think the Zelda representation in the top 10 is done with Wind Waker. And I don't think we need two Zeldas in the top 10. I think Link Between Worlds is an excellent game, but it's also nowhere near as good as Wind Waker. It's. I think comparing it to Wind Waker is too is unfair. But that's no. It, that's what we're doing. 3D. That's what we're doing right now. About it was we're comparing it to Wind Waker. That's the point of this thing. Yes, I believe Wind Waker is 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 encroaching on top five. I don't believe Link Between Worlds is top five, but I be- do believe it's top ten. I don't believe it belongs to top ten. Problem with Link Between Worlds is it is very easy. It is just. And I know, you know, this is James Jones' argument of like, it's it's a baby game. No, but Wind Waker has a satisfying difficulty curve. I think Link Between Worlds is literally, you can waltz through it and not, like, it is so easy. easy. I don't think you can waltz through it. Yes, you can. There are dungeons in that game that take 15 minutes. Like, that is insane. The dungeons in that game are not memorable at all. Like, they don't stand up. They're so, like, they're so short and brisk and they're over before you even know it, you know? They're just done. Right. And here's, here's my issue. You're wanting, you're wanting both Metroid Fusion and Guitar Hero 3 yeah. above Link Between Worlds. Yes. What am I getting in return? You get Metroid Prime 
then Metro Prime can be in a higher slot. Because I, I can, as someone who's not necessarily personally invested in Metro Prime, I can appreciate and what respect it. What slot are we it. talking? I mean, six. five or six, five. maybe. Was that a five you said? Maybe. I'm not sure if we can do that, though, because I think there may be five games that we unanimously more agree on. Let's we're getting we're getting better. Let's yeah. I think coming up with a bottom four might be quite good right now. Okay, alright. I think we're almost agreed that Splatoon is bottom four. Yes, I think so, yes. Are we agreed Mario Land two is bottom four? Yeah, I agree that. We're making progress. We're halfway there. I think Advance Wars is bottom four. To getting it. <laughs> Advance Wars is bottom four. Do you, what do you think about Fire Emblem 7 versus Advance Wars? Because you've played both. In terms of a TNL podcast list that we both love, games that we love, Fire Emblem 7 is always going to be Advance Wars between us. I completely appreciate that. What about your personal feelings? My personal feelings are obviously that Advance Wars is a, is a better, more fun. I would love to play that game again right now more so than Fire Emblem 7. Hmm. I still think Fire Emblem 7 is a great game. Yeah. Um, and this is a lopsided argument because obviously you've not played Advance Wars yet. But right, yeah. I do think... So I'm, I accept Fire Emblem 7 should be higher, but I absolutely love Advance Wars. Um, if this at top 10 is more representative of the both of us, then I think that we can allow Advance Wars to be in there. But that does mean that Link Between Worlds gets killed. And I'm fine with that. I don't have an issue with that. Because you're more, but it also would more, mean that Shovel Knight would probably. You're be basically killed. saying you're more open to the idea that Advance Wars is a great game versus you are to the idea that you've already played Link Between Worlds and you don't think it's that great. I'm open to the idea that Advance Wars means more to you personally than Link Between Worlds means to us individually. I agree with that. So we're agreeing. Is that Link Between Worlds bottom four, but Advance Wars higher? Are we agreed on that? Yeah. Right. And I think we can also agree that Shovel Knight doesn't get into the top 10 in that case. Because if we're going... and I, Would you make the argument that you prefer Guacamelee over Shovel Knight? Because for me personally, Guacamelee deserves to be on there and Shovel Knight is I, very close. But it's very I close. Think. I agree Guacamelee is better than Shovel Knight. Okay. But I see Guacamelee doing some, some high high up stuff. Okay. Potentially. All right. Let's talk okay, about Okay, where are we at? Again. Where are we at right now? Give me a bottom give me four, a... we're talking Splatoon, Maryland two, Link Between Worlds. Top ten, we're talking Galaxy Two, Smash. Yeah, we don't need to deal with those. Let's sure. talk about the in betweens. Xenoblade, Metroid Prime, Guacamele, Fire Emblem Seven are all making top ten. So the debatables are one, two, three, four, Shovel Knight, Metroid Fusion, Guitar Hero Three, Advance Wars. Okay. We need a number 11 out of those four. Or 11 or lower out of those four. Wait, which four? Out of Shovel Knight, Metroid Fusion, Guitar Hero 3, and Advance Wars. Why? Because... I thought, I thought they were still in discussion for if they could be in top 10. Because we've, they... we've just relegated Splatoon, Link Between Worlds, We have, and... but I'm saying those are the, those are the four remaining in 
in the middle ground. And oh, they either, in terms of they either dropping. To, exactly. They either have okay. to be put down or up now. Oh, okay. Shovel Knight, Metro Fusion, Guitar, or Three Advanced Wars. If you could drop one of those into the bottom four, which would it be? Shovel Knight. I'm liking this idea because Advanced Wars is getting higher, and I like that. <laughs> and I'm going to fight for Advanced Wars more so than Shovel Knight. Yeah. So I can agree with you on that if you want to go I think Shovel Knight is an excellent number 11. I agree. Right. I think I like Shovel Knight more than Link Between Worlds. Right. Shovel Knight is currently at 11. So shall we So shall does we that mean that our top 10 has... Top 10 is currently sitting at... Galaxy 2, Smash 4, Wind Waker, Xenoblade, Metroid Prime, Guacamelee, Fire Emblem 7, Metroid Fusion, Guitar Hero 3, Advance Wars. Okay. I'm okay. quite happy with that top 10. Okay, so let's sort out um, 14 to four. 10. Um, yes. So we've got Shovel Knight, Link Between Worlds, Mario Land 2, Splatoon. I think Shovel Knight is a, is a good 11. I think we agree on that. Yes. I think Link Between Worlds is a good 12. Yes. I think Splatoon is a good 13. Yes, I think I'm Mario quite, Land I'm 2 quite is a easy good about 13, 14 between those two, actually. I think... Although, push comes to shove, I might say Mario Land 2 over Splatoon. Okay. Because that... Again, I'm just realizing that, yeah, this is the other 2D Mario in this list, aside from Super Mario Maker. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. Uh. Right. And, uh, it's, it's weird, because Mario Land 2 is nostalgic for me, but I also think it's an excellent game. Like, I just think it, it is, is an a excellent game. really I, fun 2D I need to. I need to download it and get back to it. Yeah. I can do that. Shall we do that? Yeah, I'm, I can say Splatoon at 14, Mario Land at 14. 13. Maryland to 13, Link Between Worlds at 12, Shovel Knight at 11. Yeah. They're fixed that. for now. Yeah. Right. Should we go keep going bottom up? Okay, so what have we got then? What's our 10? We have Advance Wars, Guitar Hero 3, Metroid Fusion, Fire Emblem 7, Guacamelee, Metroid Prime, Xenoblade, Wind Waker, Smash 4, Galaxy 2. Okay. I am super uncomfortable about Guitar Hero being any higher than 10. Why? Because the, the other games are just so much better. Guitar Hero 3 is exceptional. It's so... It is exceptional. It, it is, is exceptional, so but... fucking good. It is the best... <laughs> it is one of the I most fun games I've ever about, played. I could make these arguments about most of the other games in this top 10 no but no other game in this top 10 has made me go out and buy a fucking musical instrument and learn music okay. no, that, that, that talking, is on a level that is beyond talking, anything on this list but if we're talking, anything if we're talking about games that change your life Pokemon should be here and it's not uh, okay so we need, to, we need to we need to Okay. Okay. Let's let's uh, let's talk what about you... the, just pure. If we were to be in a room right now and play a video game, yes. I think if we were both in a room right now, yes. I would be more passionate about playing Guitar Hero than you would be about playing Advance Wars. I think I would have more oh. fun playing oh. Guitar Hero, trying to play Dragon Force on hard, than you would just booting up Advance Wars and playing a map. 
I, I, I feel I passionately that I would be having more I, fun. I disagree because I, I I absolutely love Advance Wars. But here's the thing: Advance Wars. Once you know the map, once you've played it before, you're playing through. You're going through the motions. Most Aren't of the you time. doing that with Guitar Hero? No, Guitar Hero Three is music. So here's the thing: music <laughs> is by nature repeatable, right? That is the nature of music. It is by yes, nature repeatable, it is. and as such, not only is music repeatable in terms of listening back to it, but there is a there is a um, there is a ladder of perfection which is built into Guitar Hero that encourages you to come back and come back and come back and improve and get better whereas advance wars is you beat the map like you're you're not you're you're not getting advance wars at number 10 why not it, i i i gave you i, I will, let you have it in this top 10 because metroid fusion and guitar hero 3 keep getting higher and higher <laughs> they're not getting it they higher. Are. They're just, they're I, just I on the, honestly there's think nothing there's nothing getting higher it's, if you're so passionate about guitar hero 3 i will let you put it up higher if you hit metroid fusion at 10 metroid fusion has to be above guitar hero 3 then i feel guitar hero 3 has to be number 10 you see the two i don't think your demands are too high i'll put guitar hero 3 at 10 if advanced wars is 9 and fusion goes goes higher if if fusion goes higher than advanced wars yes you can put advanced wars at I'll, 9 i'll do that because I think we mutually agree, agree and we'd like Metroid Fusion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let's do that then. For now. For now. Guitar Hero 3 is number 10. Advance Wars is number 9. And Metroid Fusion... We want at number 8. What else is here that could be higher than Fusion, do you think? Because I like Fusion more than I like Guacamelee. I, I like Fusion more than I like Fire Emblem 7. I actually prefer Fire Emblem 7 to Fusion. Hmm. I'm surprised you like... Well, you love Fusion. I played Fusion this year, and it remains one of the most satisfying experiences What do you see as below Fusion? Me. Fire Emblem 7. I see Guacamelee below Fusion. See, I see Guacamelee doing high things. I can... I can take Metroid Fusion at 8. Probably. But I would take Fire Emblem 7 higher than... Shouldn't Fire Emblem 7 be at 7? No, I would take Fire Emblem (laughs) 7 higher. I would put Guacamelee next after Fusion. You've gone from wanting fusion as high as possible to Fire Emblem 7 as high as possible. Well, I've got to have one horse in this race. (laughs) I know, I know. Out out of both of those horses, which one do you want to back more? Because you have just flip-flopped. Well, if you're not going to agree with fusion being higher, then I'm going to have to go... I'm going to have to back Fire Emblem 7. I'm quite tight between fusion and Fire Emblem 7, to be honest. Well, make a decision, man. But that you you care about those two games more so than I do, so yes. I will. I want you to back a horse, and I'll get behind it. Another one is the next slot, I reckon. But they're not both above Guacamelee. This is diplomacy. <laughs> diplomacy sucks. <laughs> 
quite tough. How about... I think that was quite a good offer, though. Like, I have played Fusion and Fire Emblem 7. I love both those games deeply. But I appreciate... I I doubt that. (laughs) But sure. I doubt that you love them deeply, but sure. I do. But (laughs) I appreciate you love them deeper than me. Okay. So, I'm saying, feel free to pick one, and I will help you get it up the list, but the other one needs to go in now. I hate you. Um... Okay, what number was it at? Eight. This is for number... Side on eight. Let me put in some numbers so I know what I'm talking about. Because we've got Guitar Hero 3 at 10, Advance Wars at 9. Yes. This is for number eight. Yes. I can put Metro Fusion at number eight. Okay. But I also think that Guacamelee should be number seven. Okay. And I think that Metroid Prime should be number six. Let's slow down. (laughs) (laughs) Number eight is Metroid Fusion. Okay. Number seven is Guacamelee. Yes. We're left with Galaxy 2, Smash 4, Wind Waker, Xenoblade, Metroid Prime, Fire Emblem 7. We need the number 6. You think Metroid Prime should be number 6? I think Metroid Prime should be number 6, because out of these 6 games, 5 of them we have both played and both very much enjoy. Whereas Metroid Prime is a game I have huge issues with, and I'm putting it this high out of respect. I appreciate Purely out I'm going to put Metroid Prime 6 I will say thank you for getting it to number 6 because I think that is quite a good result for Metroid Prime yeah so we are left with our top 5 oh dear Fire Emblem 7 Xenoblade Wind Waker Smash 4 Super Mario Galaxy 2 right what goes at 5 For me personally, it's between Fire Emblem 7 and Xenoblade. Yeah. Which one would you more see at number 5? I'd personally see Fire Emblem 7 more at number 5. I could see Xenoblade at 5. Wow. Fire I could see Xenoblade at 5. <laughs> I could see Xenoblade at 5. Um. Yeah. Okay. I'm. Let's put. Zenob- are you, you going to agree, or do we need to? Talk no, because I'm not. Over- I don't feel overly strongly about the order of those two. Okay. I'll say Xenoblade at five. Okay. Salty. Right. Okay. Top four. So we're saying. So we're saying Fire Emblem. Is number one. That's <laughs> what you're saying. <laughs> Fire Emblem Seven is number four. Yes. Not. Uh, no, I'm not. You think it's number four? <sighs> yeah, I think it is. I think it is as well. 
I think it is. I think the the thing between Xenoblade and Fire Emblem is really story versus gameplay, right? Mm. And I think mechanically, Fire Emblem is so strong for me. Like it's one of the most strong games mechanically. Xenoblade gets by on its world and characters and story. Yes. The gameplay is good, yes. but it's transcendent because of those other aspects. And for me, I think when it comes to a game, mechanics will always win. Which is why I think you okay. can put that as four. I agree. Yeah. We have our top three. Oh dear. Oh boy. Um, got Wind Waker. Yeah. That little game. That little game. Smash 4. Yeah. And Super Mario Galaxy 2. I think... I think Wind Waker is 3. <sighs> Make your arguments. <laughs> Convince me. Right. I think Wind Waker is not only the best Zelda of all time, but is the the greatest game of all time. It yeah, combines. Well, it's your favorite game. It is my favorite game. That's, that's, gonna, that's my punchline. It's yeah. It's um, <laughs> it takes everything that's good about Zelda world exploration to another level, introducing the sea, your boat, changing the wind, exploring islands. There were few games around at that point in time that A gave you that freedom and B gave it gave you that freedom in a a sea environment where you're exploring islands um and especially with its incredibly controversial at the time art style it's that art style has stood the test of time um after having been absolutely pilloried at the time for being like taking um Zelda in a completely different direction and in terms of a solid 20 hour game experience or 15 to 20 depending on how much extra stuff you do in terms of being a a gaming experience of adventure, storytelling and exploration there's nothing better on this list Xenoblade has an enormous world with huge scope and exploration. But I think the combat mechanics of an action adventure like Wind Waker outdo Xenoblade in terms of a full package versus its RPG mechanics. Xenoblade does exploration better than Wind Waker does. Oh, it does. And it has and it has a more interesting varied open world. By far, Wind Waker is ninety percent ocean, and ten percent little things to do. I, I I like you know I like Wind Waker. I think it's an excellent game. It wouldn't be up here if it wasn't. But few things against Wind Waker. Number one, the dungeons are completely unmemorable, and for me, dungeons are a huge part of Zelda. One of the most they've, important. They've aspects never of Zelda. been a big part of Wind Waker. No, they haven't. The dungeons are not great. They they are passable. The world is is deceptively big like it's it's not actually that big it's it's a deception a lot of the time but that's um, great it, it works i think it lacks epicness i think something like galaxy 2 has this orchestral soundtrack it has this sweeping universe right wind waker 
has an illusion of that. It's not actually that. I don't think Wind Waker is better than Galaxy 2 or Smash 4. I just don't. I can't see it. It is this high purely because you love it so much, and I also agree (laughs) it's an excellent Zelda. Like, a really good Zelda. Like, really fun combat. Really cool open world. Amazing characters. Tetra is the best representation of Zelda, no doubt. But, when it comes down to pure gameplay, and as I said before, we've talked just about Xenoblade and Fire Emblem, when it comes to pure gameplay as an experience... Galaxy 2 and Smash 4 destroy Wind Waker. I, I agree. I they agree. leave it in the dust. I agree when you're talking about gameplay exclusively, something like Smash and Galaxy beat it. I agree that when you talk about story exclusively, Xenoblade beats it. But I'm saying when you put all those things together, there's nothing beating what this game does on the list. Okay, but that still doesn't mean it's the better game. But okay, here's here's another argument. My favourite game of all time is at number 8 on this list. The fact that yours is this fucking high you should be pleased with and shut your mouth and get on with it. Uh, Hey, Guitar Hero 3 made it to the top 10. Yeah, but that's not... I'm not arguing that. You're changing the argument. I'm saying... The argument is Metroid Fusion is on this list at number 8. Wind Waker is in the top 3 and I think at 3 it sits nicely. Because for me personally, I would have Skyward Sword above Wind Waker. Mm. You know? Would you? Yes, I would. I think Skyward Sword is a more interesting game. I think Wind Waker... Okay, here's, here's my argument. I think Wind Waker is really well executed, but I don't think it is exceptional in any aspect. I think there are games... I think Galaxy 2 and Smash are exceptional in aspects. I think Wind Waker is a solid, solid game, but it is not exceptional in one individual aspect. And that's why it should be number But three. But that's my entire argument, is that it's exceptional in all aspects. Right, but the thing, the thing that makes... The, Bally, the thing that makes a game is having something about it that is exceptional. Something that... A thing that makes a game top of a list is having something exceptional about it. Wind Waker is the art style's exceptional, right? But I don't think when you were talking about a video game that the art style is enough to carry it to be an exceptional thing. I knew, I knew this list would come down to this argument. <laughs> it's look okay. <laughs> this, this gameplay versus art, music, and the whole experience. Here's my argument: Galaxy yes. Two is fucking gorgeous, and also has an amazing soundtrack, and also is exceptional to no play. Story. Smash Four is gorgeous, and also has an exceptional soundtrack and it's also exceptional to play Wind Waker story no it doesn't that story doesn't matter story is story story is out of this argument we're talking about a comparison between Wind Waker Galaxy 2 and Smash 4 yes story is out of this argument why okay also okay Wind Waker's story isn't that great it's very generic if you're using story as a crutch to argue that it's Wind Waker should be generic. high... No, 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 okay. Tell me, why is it so great? It's great because every other Zelda has taken place in one existing land, stuff happens, blah, blah, blah. In Wind Waker, the whole land is flooded from the very off, and you delve 
deeper into the history of different tribes and races as to their history and why they they are on that island or why this exists with the Ruto and the Zora for example like the idea that those two races are linked is an incredibly epic thing to do to a series like Zelda when you're starting on your small island of outset island and you you don't know how big or large the game world is you you're, you're sort of discovering one island after another you eventually get your boat and then the whole world opens up that feeling goes beyond even a game like Xenoblade where it op- yes going on to Gower Plain is an epic an epic feeling where the game does open up i agree but it's not the same as getting your boat to discover islands all done within the realm of nintendo of a really highly polished game where you are like i said dungeon exploring right but now you've completely gone off story and your point is just dissolved you've just completely gone off story because you now you're talking about exploration that's nothing to do with story no, I'm, but I'm saying the two are so intrinsically linked and well done together in a game like wind waker Okay, but here's the thing. Wind Waker has one moment which is like, oh my god, that's so cool. The rest of it is extremely generic. Number one, someone gets kidnapped, Link goes saves them. Generic trope, used in every Zelda, not a good story point. Uh, it's but things then... like going, going under the sea and... Right, okay, that's Hyrule what I'm saying. Castle. That's the one point. That is the one point in the game where the story stands out as like, oh, it's a, a great twist, right? But everything else is boring. When you beat Ganon, oh no, he's locked away again for the end of time. It's generic. But they, okay? they, they also when you... keep Ganondorf quite secretive throughout the start of the game. You're quite unaware of how that's all going to unfold. It's not right, just but, one but again, moment. again, the story is still, hey, Ganon's evil. You got to beat him, right? There's nothing interesting about that. That is not. It that is, is not stand out. It's com- that's it's a no, that's bollocks. World. Because the sea. What about the sea? Great, it's a big fucking ocean, and everything was drowned underneath it. Okay, interesting concept, but still the bet. The basic bones of that story are not interesting. They they're not Bally. They're just fucking generic. But, they're boring. <laughs> you've always been against Nintendo stories, and I've because they're been fucking terrible. They, they suck. I, I completely disagree. I'm sure so many listeners. Bally, okay. Here's me. the problem: is I have played a game like The Witcher Three, which is written almost as well as a novel. It's based on a novel, of course, but every interaction in that game is driven by human emotion and human motive, and is placed in a reality in a world that is believed and real and full of characters that feel like they could exist in the real world. Yes, Zelda is, is not is nowhere system? right. No, but that's what I'm saying. No, no, is you don't so have it's the not relevant to this list and this. No, discussion. no, 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 no. It is relevant because why? Okay, here's why it's relevant: is because you don't have context. I have context for what good video game storytelling so is. So, if this list is a combination of both our contexts, yes. then it shouldn't be about I've experienced this incredible story elsewhere. Therefore, it doesn't stack up against this game. Therefore, it must be further down the list. Because that's, that's no, it should be. Your, it should it, be. It's talking about your exclusive context. No, it's not talking about my exclusive context. It is. It's talking about my context in the context of Wind Waker being an average to bad story. It is not interesting. There is no nuance. There is no... There's nothing... If we, Okay, here's the argument. Witcher 3 could be made into a film and stand yes, on its own two Witcher feet. 3 Wind Waker could be made in, Wind Waker could be made it. into a children's storybook and yes. be, stand on its own two feet, but it would not win any Academy Awards. Here's the what thing. part of Wind Waker will, be, will you be walking around in a swamp and randomly fall in a hole and have to reset the game to get out of it? That's nothing to do it's, with the story. It is, because... 
it's strong but That's story, the story mechanically and I'm talk- every argument I've been making about Wind Waker is how well it ties everything together more so than games like Xenoblade or even Witcher 3 it's a, it's a complete package right and but you haven't played Witcher 3 nailing, so you can't make that argument but you're nailing one individual aspect after another right because okay but yes, the reason I'm nailing flaws. this one individual aspect is because we have boiled down that that aspect is the one where it is the thing that you're making the argument about because which I, as a story yes because as we have just talked about no i will galaxy really 2 admit, no no no, no, no uh, has got a no, better story I've as we've just talked about as we've just talked about galaxy 2 does aesthetics just as well as wind waker galaxy 2 does game mechanics better than wind waker galaxy 2 does soundtrack just as well or better than wind waker so the one thing that you're nailing down is like oh but galaxy 2 and smash 4 don't have a story therefore wind waker wins i'm saying wind waker's story is not exceptional it is not a part of the game that stands out to a degree where you can argue that it should be above those games because of its story because it shouldn't because its story isn't exceptional in comparison to a game like galaxy 2 it's not the story exclusively it's about a game world that you can explore. Galaxy 2 isn't a game world you explore. It's individual Right, but that's making an argument levels. between genres. That's nothing to do with the quality of the game. You're just arguing genres now. But isn't your argument about genres as well? No, my argument isn't about genres. My argument is... Okay, here's my argument. You're saying that the story in Wind Waker is what makes it exceptional. Because I asked you, give me no, a... No, it's not. A, it's the okay, whole what? thing together. Right, but that's the problem. The, the, and as I've now we're going cyclically because Wind Waker is not exceptional in any one aspect. There is no individual aspect. Give me one aspect of Wind What's Waker. What's the which one is aspect exceptional. that's exceptional about Galaxy Two? The platforming. It's exceptional. It's better than any other video game in the 3D platforming space. It is the top of its genre. It is the top of its, the utmost of its genre. Why isn't Galaxy One higher? It's the same platforming. Because Galaxy Two does what Galaxy One does, but better. How? Because it improves on every mechanic that Galaxy 1 sets up and adds uh, introductions such as Yoshi and makes him useful and interesting and uh, changes up the structure and makes there more variety in the levels. We're not arguing Galaxy 1 versus Galaxy 2, Ballet. All I'm saying is that Galaxy 2 is exceptional in that aspect. Smash 4 is exceptional in its fighting mechanics. Absolutely fucking incredible. Wind Waker is not exceptional in any individual aspect. It's solid all round, but it isn't. Wind Waker should be number three. Galaxy 2 should be number three. No, okay, why? Because it's just not as good of a game as Wind Waker. That's not an argument. You need to give me points. This is the problem. You're just saying it's just not as good of a game. <laughs> I've That's explained not an argument about so many I have given you many points here on my side. I'm not going to go back into it. I've explained far more points about Wind Waker than you have points about Galaxy 2. Okay, let's add up our enjoyment of all these games. If We're going to try and make it, because this clearly is going nowhere. Right. We both like Galaxy 2 as a combined whole better than we both like Wind Waker. I disagree based on the fact. No, no, that no, no! You can't disagree because we, because I'm yes, part I of can. this discussion. I can't disagree because I think we both like Wind Waker more so than Galaxy Two. No, because yes. I don't. I think Wind Waker is a great Zelda game, but it is nowhere fucking close to Galaxy Two. Galaxy <laughs> Two is one of the best games ever made on this fucking planet. Wind Waker is a great game, and that's all it is. It's a great game. Is Galaxy Two better than Smash Four? Now, see, this is the issue. Smash, the Galaxy 2 versus Smash 4 is the multiplayer versus single-player argument. And uh, Smash 4... I think you take Smash 4 as playing what, how many, ever many players we play it with, which is often between the two of us. Yes, it is, yeah. 
I think Smash 4 is one of the most fun things I have played in years. In, if we're talking about just the experience of me and you playing that game... Because we're good sparring partners, and... Yes, it, it, it it, when, when you have someone who's of equal skill, then it is just... I would argue that Smash 4 is the most fun video game that I have that I can play in any time space era. I I think if okay, I think if I sit down in a room and they say play a video game, I think I choose Smash 4. I agree. I think it should be number 1. So Galaxy 2 be number 2. This is where we're getting hung up on. I think we can both agree that our number one is Smash Brothers Four. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna fight over two and three. <laughs> you're just not gonna let up, which is my problem, and you're not making good arguments. Is my problem? I don't. I I can easily just as easily say I don't think you're making good arguments. Okay, tear my argument apart then. I can tear your argument apart because Wind Waker all around is a better game that offers exploration, story, adventuring solid game mechanics, art, music. I think Galaxy only offers some parts of that, and I think... Right, but Galaxy doesn't need story because that's not part of what is that genre, right? That's not part of what makes that genre that genre. Yes. So, arguing that it's, it's lack of stuff like that is irrelevant. But also arguing that you can't compare the two... Arguing that you have to take the story out of Wind Waker and compare them mechanically against each other also is a false argument no it's not because video games are unique by their video game mechanics video games are not unique by any other aspect the thing that makes a game a game is how it plays fundamentally and that is why i'm always focused on mechanics utmost above anything else because if a a game has a great story and looks gorgeous but plays like shit it is not a good video game but name one aspect of wind waker where the mechanics are anything but perfect i think that the sailing has a lot of issues mechanically yeah i think that some of the choices they made in terms of that mean that you're wasting time i think that uh the combat is fine but it's it doesn't do anything unique or interesting like skyward sword does i think that when it comes down to precision platform when it comes down to the way that a game controls I think the argument you're you're boiling down to is that for what it's trying to do which is so we're talking about Mario Galaxy 2 for what it's trying to do which is be a solid 3D platformer yes it is a better 3D platformer than The Legend of Zelda Wind Waker is an action story based adventure Yes, I think that Galaxy 2 is the pinnacle of its genre. I do not think that Wind Waker is the pinnacle of its genre. And that's why and I will it I will be agree because I think that what could happen with like I think Wind, Wind Waker is the perfect game of a framework of how you do open world Zelda that can be explored and return to which i think they're doing for the wii u version and whatever so right like, I, I think that if they execute on the wii u zelda wind waker will be out of this conversation well that's my point i'm saying i think we could have this discussion in five to ten years time and there won't be a better 3d platform within galaxy 2 it, right yes i would bet a lot more money on there being a better zelda than wind waker even though it's my favorite game of all time 
And for that yep. reason, I'll back down. But I'll admit, I was, oh, making some of your arguments. I was making some of your arguments like more summarized. Would you agree? <sighs> well, I'm glad that that's over. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <sighs> Alright, Bali. We're done here. <laughs> I got fucking heated. <laughs> hey, Windwaker got up to number three now. And... <laughs> That's my point! I've got Metro Fusion at eight, you bastard! <sighs> I hate you. Alright, what's our top ten, Bali? Our top ten. Number well, 10. Should we go Let's from start... 50? Shall we go from 50? Let's go from right, 50. Sure. Have you got a list or shall I read them all? You read them out. Number 50, Dragon Quest 9. Number 49, Gunman Clive 1 2. Number 48, Bit Trip Runner 2. Number 47, Mario Kart Double Dash. Number 46, Prince of Persia Sands of Time. Number 45, F Zero Maximum Velocity. Number 44, Rayman Origins. Number 43, Soul Calibur 2. Number 42, Pilot Wings Resort. Number 41, Super Monkey Ball 2. Number 40, VVVVVV. Number 39, Mario Kart 7. Number 38, Ocarina of Time. Number 37, Codename Steam. Number 36, Kirby Canvas Curse. Number 35, Super Mario Sunshine. Number 34, Twilight Princess. Number 33, Luigi's Mansion 2. Number 32, WarriorWare Twisted. Number 31, Super Mario 3D Land. Number 30, Wave Race Blue Storm. Number 29, Skyward's Legend of Zelda Skyward Sword. Number 28, Fire Emblem Awakening. Number 27, Link's Awakening. Number 26, Super Mario Maker. Number 25, Warrior Land Shake Dimension. Number Number 24, F-Zero GX. Number 23, Phoenix Wright 3. Number 22, Super Metroid. Number 21, Mega Man 2. Number 20, Trine 2. Number 19, Donkey Kong Tropical Freeze. Number 18, Bayonetta 2. Number 17, Super Mario Galaxy 1. Number 16, Pikmin 3. Number 15, Chrono Trigger. Number 14, Splatoon. Number 13, Mario Land 2. Number 12, Link Between Worlds. Number 11, Shovel Knight. Number 10, Guitar Hero 3. Number 9, Advance Wars. Number 8, Metroid Fusion. Number 7, Guacamole. Number 6, Metroid Prime. Number 5, Xenoblade. Number 4, Fire Emblem 7. Number 3, The Legend of Zelda Wind Waker. Number 2, Super Mario Galaxy 2. Number 1, Smash Brothers for Wii U. Well, <laughs> there we have it, ladies and gentlemen. That is the official This Nintendo Life Top 50 Games <sighs> of All Time Ever. Um, and I, I thought that was fun. Uh, that was really I, fun, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's arbitrary, of course. Lists are always arbitrary and stupid, but it's it's a good process of like trying to put together a group of games and then organize them. You know, it's like trying to get your thoughts in order and put them down on a piece of paper and say, okay, this is actually what I think about these when it comes down to it. And um, yeah, I think we can both agree it's a pretty good list, and you should probably play a lot of these games. So you should do that. I guess. I think we're both pretty happy with that list. Yeah, I think there are some wins and some losses on both sides, but... Hopefully equal amounts. Yep, hopefully. Just about. <laughs> yep. Um, Alright, well, I guess that is going to be it for episode 50, Bally. It's It's been a ride. Um, it has been a ride. <laughs> geez, um, we are... both, this, both just this episode and to get here has been both two long rides. Yeah, it's... I don't know, like, I've I always wanted to like have a proper podcast and done in a way that em- kind of emblematic not emblematically that is um 
imitative of some of my favorite podcasts in the sense of like recording your audio locally so that's of a high quality and putting in like music breaks and stuff and like making it well produced yes um and i think that we've managed to achieve that here you know i think so i mean it is a podcast it's almost two years ago it's not quite yet yeah not come, quite. come november it'll have been going for two years and i remember just we had a skype conversation yeah and it was just like I can't. I think it might have been me who said it'd be really cool. Imagine if we'd like made a podcast. Like, yeah. Wouldn't that have been cool if we made a podcast like you know RFN or other podcasts we listened to? And I think you were like, yeah, that would have been really cool. And then I think I said, why don't we make one? <laughs> <laughs> and you were like, make one. I guess we could. And I think at that point in time, you probably thought. Oh, Bally's going to hang around for a couple of episodes. Then, <laughs> I think. I actually okay. I was actually like. <laughs> First of all, I was worried that you wouldn't be able to like play cuz you you had you had been in this state I think since like god since like the end of our time at school when you'd kind of fallen off games for a while. I had, you know, yes. like you you played stuff but you didn't really care as much and you it weren't wasn't until like invested. The final half of my final year of uni where I definitely kind of picked up a few of my old games and went back and completed them yeah um, and then i brought my wii u down to london with me with my 3ds and it was kind of i i did plan on playing games on a consistent basis and i guess that was the podcast just kind of started right at the in the middle of that sort of yeah process and it, all of a sudden i did have all these games that i'd not finished which i mean has become like such a core part of what we've been talking about so yeah yeah it just kind of snowballed and we just did i think a crucial part for us was making sure it was fortnightly and not weekly oh yeah absolutely. Um, for so many reasons a it allows you time to actually play the games we talk about b it stops you burning out i think for almost 99 percent of episodes i'm like super excited about the segment we're about to record like because there's been a time gap since the last time we recorded i might have played something i'm excited to um spout my views and things and it just it just makes everything a bit more fresh to keep it fortnightly yeah it's also means that i don't have to die editing every week yeah exactly. it takes a lot of effort and time to edit a show to make it of a quality that we wanted it to be and i think and for those the... who don't know mbz does all the editing like yeah i i'm the twitter man i'm the guy <laughs> yeah. who does the tweets i schedule the tweets yes that takes a little bit of time but it takes a fraction of the time compared to you know editing a, a podcast yeah um and for all, and like editing out all those times that i just slip over my tongue like reading <laughs> out emails and we think oh i'm gonna have to edit that out. oh yeah. you know like that just happens so often and mm-hmm. yeah so thank you for all your editing mbz that's all right i'm used to it i've done it for fucking years now i guess <laughs> as a youtuber i feel like editing is kind of just part of my dna at this point um but yeah it's uh it's appreciated um i think it's interesting because i wanted this to be more of a podcast than i mean we put out the youtube video but i feel that's more like necessity than anything else like there are a lot of youtube podcasts that have a different tone and 
format i feel to the way that a lot of itunes podcasts are delivered you know there's lots of video based stuff and a lot of the time the audio isn't that high quality because they're just going over skype with webcams and you know that's i can appreciate that in a podcast format but for me what i really wanted to do with this show was to make it something that could stand amongst the rfns and the nvcs and the giant bomb casts of the world where it is first and foremost an audio product and Mm -hmm. That is, that's the preferred format for me, honestly. Because it's the preferred format we've enjoyed over the years from yes. all those podcasts you've just mentioned. They yeah. are first and foremost a audio podcast that you listen to away from screens. Yes, and that's that's how we hope that you enjoy it at home. Um, yes, sort of. Yeah, obviously there'll be plenty who will enjoy it in front of screens, but yes. But doing something else probably at the same time, I guess, because there's not much to watch on the YouTube version. Uh, but if you do stare at the YouTube screen, hi, that's cool, I guess. Uh, yeah. Uh, anyway, I think that's going to wrap us up, Bally, for episode 50. I think it will. Um, it's been a, been a long one. It has indeed. Uh, where can people go? Send us emails, find us on the internet, all that stuff. Tell them, You can Bally. follow the podcast Twitter account um, at TNL Podcast. That's at TNL Podcast. If you want the immediate updates of when the next show's out, um, if we've done some sort of video or something, we'll tweet it. We'll always tweet it there first. That's your first point of call if you want to find out what the podcast is doing. Um, you can also follow me on Twitter. I'm at Ballyman91, B A L L Y M A N. Nine one, um, I tweet lots of stuff, getting lots of Twitter arguments with people, <laughs> and uh, tweet lots of pictures of my life sometimes, and lots of other fun stuff. Yeah, um, you can find me on Twitter. I'm Lord NBZ. I'm also Lord NBZ on Meverse. Keep playing my Mario Maker stages. I haven't made one in a while, but I oh, guess neither I'll... have I. I need to do. Yeah, that. we'll get back to that. We'll we'll do more Mario Maker stages. So uh, keep your eyes peeled on that. Um, of course, you can go to iTunes and download this show and a really nice thing for our 50th episode would be if you could go and review us on iTunes now we mentioned this here and now here and again but I want to make a big push here if you enjoy the show if you like what we do if you are appreciative of the audio in your ears then please go to iTunes and give us a review it means a huge amount it allows us to expand our audience into that sphere and that means uh, more interaction with new people more interesting questions from the listeners and all that good stuff so do please review us on iTunes and even if you're not listening on iTunes maybe you're watching the YouTube video or listening through a download from elsewhere even if you're doing that it'd be great if you just quickly got a quick iTunes account just logged in said oh that's TNL podcast and let us know what you think of the show through a rating or review yes yeah we appreciate that a huge amount that's the the best thing you can do for us so uh, go do it I guess yeah um Bali, that's it, I think. Is there nothing else we need to add here? Um, thank you for putting Wind Waker so high up on that list. I really enjoyed it, and it was a good heated discussion at the end. It very, was. Very good. Very it was good, good. fun. Um, All right, well, that is going to close us out for episode 50. Join us once again in a couple of weeks' time. We'll be back to our regular schedule, just talking about Nintendo. So, uh, yeah, we will uh, be back then. Send us some emails, all that good stuff, and we will see you next time. Goodbye.
The musical interludes used in today's show were Fighting With All Of Our Might from Shovel Knight, copyright Yacht Club Games 2014, and a remaster of Yearnings of the Wind from Chrono Trigger, copyright Squaresoft 1995.